And we are on air right now for Fan for Racing Radio. This is Monday night, June the 26th, and uh, we are doing our Nashville NASCAR race review along with our Hot Topic Sound Off. Joining me shortly will be our co-host. Uh, I'll go ahead and give you our agenda for tonight while we wait. In our first half hour, we are going to start with the latest short track news and then we review the Arkham and Art Series race out at Elko Speedway this past weekend. Uh, we'll also include an ARCA East and an ARCA West Series update. <clears throat> In our next half hour, we review the NASCAR Truck and Xfinity Series races out at Nashville Super Speedway. And then in our third half hour, our guest, Nathan Kuala, driver of the number 42 Legends car for Ricky Schlick Racing, joins the conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me, joins the conversation. Uh, he's coming on after a victory for him out at Irwindale Speedway. <clears throat> Then we're going to review the NASCAR Cup Series race also at Nashville Super Speedway. And we'll end the episode, of course, with our Hot Topic Sound Off conversation with the Fan for Racing crew. Uh, joining me now for our show tonight here is our co-host, Sal Segala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, good evening, sir. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sal, we're getting some background noise. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure everybody's going to hear us with the background noise. Okay. What background noise? You and I are the only two people on air, <laughs> and it's not me. I, I know. I, I have a. I I bought a new set of uh, noise canceling um earbuds. Let me try calling back. Okay, yeah, try calling back because I can definitely hear background noise. Okay. Okay, yeah, because there's, yeah, there's nothing here. I'm by myself. Okay, all right. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, Sal's going to call us back, uh, and then we'll go from there. Um, let me go ahead and get started with some of the short track news. And uh, we'll start over at Racing America. Uh, the entry list for the NASCAR Cup Series Camp Grant Park 220 on the Chicago Street Course is growing. So uh, we'll talk more about that later on, and especially on our Thursday night show. So uh, make sure you tune in Thursday night because we're going to be previewing uh, the races out at Chicago uh, and the street course out there. So let me go ahead and see if we can bring Sal in. Okay, Sal. Hello? Oh, hello. Okay. I think so. We'll have to wait and see. I kind of get little bits and pieces, but uh, we'll go ahead and move on. Okay, I'm going no, to the ship. I, I, I think I had the left and the right and the right and the left. Okay. I had the wrong ears, I think. Okay, because I, I don't know. It sounds like we're still getting some noise, but... Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, talk about some short track news here. I'm over on Racing America, um, and we'll take a look at uh, Renfew, Best Quebec's Finest Autodrome, Claude Chaudaire's Claude Leclerc, 150. 
my best friend's accent there. Uh, Jimmy Renfrew Jr. took down his second career American-Canadian tour victory in his first ever start out at the Autodrome. And uh, you can read all about that over at Racing America. Sal, do you see something you want to bring up? Okay, I lost Sal again. Okay, Sal's going to call back, hopefully. Uh, I'll go ahead and move on here. Uh, You can watch the ASA Stars National Tour at Milwaukee on MAV-TV Monday night. That's tonight. If you're a MAV-TV subscriber, you can actually watch that race at the Milwaukee Mile uh, over on MAV-TV. And then the ASA Weekend Rewind, Hosevar, of course, wins the Nashville Reunion seeking ASA alumni. So uh, a big, uh, he's an ASA driver uh, that won in one of NASCAR's national series. So uh, it really is kind of a big deal there. Okay, still waiting for Sal to call in, so I'm going to see if I can find something else. Five in a row for Jesse Bernhagen at Slinger. Uh, Jesse Bernhagen remained perfect in the 2023 Uptown Motorcars Pro Late Model Competition at Slinger Speedway. So uh, uh, that's a, a really big deal. This is a female driver, and uh, she's doing really, really well in those late model races. <clears throat> Okay, uh, and then, of course, everybody knows Ross Chastain had a win this week. There's a great article over at uh, Racing America, Carl Edwards, enjoying a warm reception from NASCAR fans. He was out at uh, Nashville Super Speedway this past weekend. He was inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame out there, uh, and they made a plaque for him. Carl Edwards named one of NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers in 2023, and they give some of his stats, and and, uh, again, uh, there's a plaque dedicated to him out at Nashville. He has the most wins of any driver out at Nashville with six race wins between 2003 and 2011. So that's why he was out at the track, and uh, it's really nice to know that fans uh, showed him some love. Uh, this weekend out at Nashville. All right, still looking for Sal. I don't see him yet. I hope he can make it on. Uh, Okay, I'm moving over to Flow Racing now. Uh, How to watch the 2023 World Fuel Altered Nationals. You can read about that over at Flow Racing. Um, And then all the Cars Tour at Caraway Storylines. Two of the biggest storylines, of course, is that Kyle Larson and Jeremy Mayfield are both going to be in that race. That race, by the way, is taking place on Wednesday night, so you're going to want to uh, uh, make sure you tune in for those races uh, with two uh, of the NASCAR drivers uh, racing that race. Jeremy Mayfield, of course, no longer racing in NASCAR, but he's been on the late model touring series uh, for quite a while now. Sal, you're back, and it sounds good. All right. I, I don't know. These... Okay. Anyway, so where are we at? Okay. I'm at uh, Flow Racing now going over some of the news there. 
Uh, I just did the Cars Tour at uh, Caraway Storylines, and uh, Justin Sanders scores a maximum dirt payday at Skagit Speedway. Uh, so you can read all about that over at uh, Flow Racing as well. <clears throat> okay, I see where you're at. Okay, and then on Sunday, the USAC Sprint Car Race at Angel Park. Uh, looks like it got rained out. So uh, Yeah, so you'll, you'll need to watch for when that's going to be rescheduled. A lot of rain this season, uh, rescheduling a lot of races. And Brady Bacon is back in the USAC Sprint's win column at Wilmot Speedway this weekend. So uh, a big win for him. Yeah, and then Ricky Thornton grabbed another 50 granite at Lernerville Speedway this past weekend, too. Um, they say the the headline says that he's hot, he's hot as a firecracker after he <laughs> won the, the after he won the Lucas Oil Firecracker 100. Absolutely, and also another big story this weekend: Ron Silk scores his first ever Riverhead Raceway NASCAR modified <laughs> touring race. Uh, he found his way to victory lane and scored his second win of the NASCAR Wheeland Modified Series. So uh, congratulations to Ron Silk uh, for that victory. We'll head over to short track scene now. Uh, that story is also over at short track after 20 years. Wow, that's a lot of noise. <laughs> Sounded like a car racing bike. Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with these things. Okay. Um, you, you, but there's you, some you, other you. stories over at Short Track Scene, Sal. Yeah, I'm going over there right now. I know the SRL uh, called off their midweek I-44 Speedway race. Yeah, yeah. they. Oh, yeah, yeah. They wouldn't uh, cancel that because of the weather, the, the rain, and then also the heat. Oh, okay. Um, and then also coming up at coming up at the end of the month is going to be the uh, Pepper Jack Kennels Twin One Hundreds at uh, oh, Five yeah. Flight Speedway. Yeah, so that that's going to be pay ten thousand ten thousand each race. Uh, Derek Thorne will be taking place. Taking Derek Thorne will, will be uh, will be racing it now. He raced it last year. He, yeah, uh, that race is by twenty and twenty second. Yeah. And then Chase Elliott enters the Slinger Nationals. So uh, he was supposed to race before, had to pull out at the last minute. So uh, he's going to take another crack at it. And uh, it's been on his bucket list. He's going to join Matt Kenseth as Cup Series champions uh, that have entered that race. Scheduled for July the 11th, it will air on Racing America. So uh, Chase Elliott. It's Swinger Nationals. Yeah, we've been having a lot of rainouts this past weekend because even uh, um, uh, Carteret County, they uh, their ASA Southern Super Series got rained out also on over the weekend. So, um, gosh, it's just I guess the rainout, the rain you guys are having out there back east must really be uh, must really be bad. Yeah, they they had quite a few rains. It, it's really weird, Sal, because in my area we're in drought conditions. We got a little bit of rain, I guess, uh, 
on uh, Saturday night and Sunday night, but not nearly enough. Our grass is turning brown uh, because it's so dry where we are. We've been praying for rain. Um, it, it seems to go all around us most of the time. But anyway, Connor Hall stays undefeated out at Langley. So a nice article by Matt Weaver over at uh, Short Track Scene about Connor Hall and his victory. And then let's see what else we have up here. Um, well, we got a big names for the midweek uh, cars tour stop at, at Caraway. Yeah, that's, that's be, um, the one with Kyle Larson and, uh, and Jeremy, Jeremy Mayfield. Mayfield. They're both going to be in there. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're gonna have a, a really good list. You're gonna have Jeremy Mayfield, Brendan Queen, uh, Ronnie Bassett, who's, who's I think we've had on the show before. Oh yeah, we and have. Then, um, there, yeah, there's a whole list of uh, there's a whole list of drivers if you go to uh, Short Track C and you go to the to the. Um, Tyson Quapel is gonna uh, be in there. The, uh, yeah, Connor Jones. Um, Gosh, yeah, there's a whole whole list of uh, top-name drivers there. Yes, indeed. It's $10,000 to win the race at Caraway Speedway. So uh, a lot of these guys are going to go for it. Um, Again, you can read about it over at Short Track Scene. Uh, They've got some great stories over there. One of my favorite features, though, uh, from Rat and Weaver is how the car's tour suspension might have propelled Josh Berry to a Cup Series ride. So uh, you have to uh, read up about that over a short track scene. Again, Matt Weaver does a good job of covering uh, everything that goes on in short track and dirt racing. Uh, so check that one out for sure. Okay, we're going to move on now to the Arca Menard Series. They had a race this past weekend out at Elko Speedway, and it was quite a race. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, William Sawalich won at the expense of Jesse Love, and I guess the battle continues because then it was Jesse Love and his teammate, Sean Hingarani, uh, banging door-to-door with William Sawalich uh, out at Elko Speedway, making sure that Jesse Love got the win. So it was uh, quite an event. Yeah, it was actually. Um, uh, Sean also got penalized uh, for hitting a. Well, they said it was dirty driving or something like that to that effect. But um, he ended up wow. uh, taking a taking a penalty. Well, that's four wins for Jesse Love out of five races. William Sawalich uh, won the other race, so. Um, uh, it's going to be an interesting season, and it sounds like there's quite a rivalry building up here between uh, the Venturini teams and William Sawalich. Oh yeah, they're all out, they're all out after him. It's uh, it's going to be like that until the uh, until the um, championship is uh, decided. Yeah, I've got that feeling. They've got some. Uh, Highlights over at ArcaRacing.com if you want to kind of check that out. Uh, well, let's go over the finishing order. I'll, I'll go over the top ten here. But they have the complete results over at uh, Arca Racing. Jesse Love, of course, uh, was the race winner by .998, uh, one-thousandths of a second over William Sawalich. Then it was uh, Love's teammate, Sean Hingarani, coming in third. 
and Connor Jones, another teammate, uh, finished in the fourth place. Andres Perez de Laura from uh, Rev Racing finished in fifth place. Then it was Davey Callahan, Tony Cosentino, uh, Willie Mullins, Tony Bridinger, Christian Rose all rounding out the top ten. Uh, let's see, six of those drivers finished on the lead lap, uh, a couple of them just a lap down, and then uh, Tony Breitinger uh, two laps down and Christian Rose four laps down. So uh, the real battle was really at the top of the, the uh, at the front, uh, the race between uh, Jesse Love, William Sawalich, and uh, Sean Hingarani. Did you get to see it, Sal? Did I lose Sal again? I did. I lost Sal again. Okay, we're going to try this again. Um, so I gave you the top ten finishers there, um, and they've got a, a picture of uh, the bump that puts Sawalich into a spin. Uh, but again, you got to go back to Berlin Raceway to kind of uh, understand how this played out. Uh, William Sawalich did the same thing to Jesse Love out at Berlin Raceway, uh, and so this was a little bit of payback, if you will. So I think Sawalich was expecting it. Uh, I don't think it was a surprise to him when that happened. Did Did you get to see the race, uh, Sal? I'm bringing you into the queue here. Yeah, no, no, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see this race. I missed it. I um, I was trying to find it, and I, I just didn't. Uh, I went to Flow Racing, and then I, I don't know. I... That's okay. <laughs> uh, they've got highlights over at Racing America if you get a chance to check it out. But um, uh, again, the the finish of this race directly relates to the finish of the race at Berlin Raceway. So um, uh, you got to you got to watch both races to kind of put it all into perspective. But let's go over the uh, point standings for the Arkham Menard Series. So, okay, the point standings are um, are as uh, Jesse Love took over the points the point standings from. Uh, from uh, Frankie Munez, who I think this was a race that Frankie had a really bad wreck. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, he did. Anyway, yeah, he had a really bad wreck. So he, um, anyways, he lost the points lead. He's now he's down forty points. And then third is Andres Perez de Lara. Fourth is Tony Constantino. Fifth is Christian Rose. Sixth is Tony uh, Breidinger. Seventh is John Garrett. Eighth is Jack Wood. Ninth is A.J. Boyer. And riding out the top ten is uh, Brad Smith. Yeah, the only one of those drivers that have not raced all seven of the Arkham Art Series events is Jack Wood. Uh, William Sawalich has only put in three of the Arkham Art Series races. Jesse Love is racing full-time this year. So uh, uh, a really interesting uh, competition going on there. Um, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, as they move on to their next race. Uh, the Arkham Menard Series uh, next race uh, in this series. Let's see. Well, I do want to mention before I uh, say that is if you want to see 
a replay of this race. Uh, it's scheduled uh, for, let's see, they don't have that on here. I don't know why they didn't put it into the recap. Okay, I'm going to tell you where you can watch it. Oh, I know why it's not in there, Sal, because it was on uh, national TV on Fox Sports 1. Yeah. So there's no uh, replay of the race. Uh, but if you go to Fox Sports, if you have the app, you can probably catch a replay of that race over at the app. Same thing with the Berlin Raceway event. Uh, you can catch that re- replay on the Fox Sports app uh, so that you can kind of put all of that into perspective. <clears throat> okay, let me go back then. Since uh, we won't get to see the delayed broadcast, I really encourage you. And Full Racing will have replays of those races as well. Um, their next race is going to be the Zinzer Smart Coat 150, uh, July 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time at Mid Ohio Sports Car Course. So they've got a road course coming up, Sal. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see them on the road course. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think it is going to be exciting, and it could pick up things uh, in the point standings. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, July 1st, it's going to be the ARCA West Series out at Irwindale Speedway. That race will take place at 10 p.m. Eastern and will be available via Flow Racing's live streaming. Uh, So Irwindale always puts on a good event. Yeah, that'll be this weekend. We'll have a uh, basically what they'll do is they'll do the um, Arca, they'll do the Arca West West race, and then we're doing after that. Then we're doing a uh, Night of Destruction along with our. Um, this is our our Fourth of July show. So then we'll yes. do, while we do fireworks after every race, anyways. But yeah, we'll do fireworks after the after the race is over. Okay. Uh, and then I think uh, if you're out in that area, you definitely want to get out there to Irwindale Speedway this weekend for the ARCA West. They have a great uh, battle going on as well, if you want to cover those points, Sal. Uh, let me see. I just had it. I don't know what happened to it. Well, Landon Lewis is at the top of the standings there. Yeah, I didn't know we were going to do the west. I thought we were just going to do the east. They just ran. Oh, okay. I'll I'll go ahead and do it. Uh, Sean Hingarani is in second. He's 12 points back. Two points behind him is Bradley Erickson. Tyler Wright is in fourth place, 23 points back. And then it's Trevor Huddleston rounding out the top five at 38 points uh, the next five drivers are Tanner Reif, brother of Tyler Reif, uh, Kyle Keller, Todd Souza, David Smith, and Takuma Koga, who travels from Japan back and forth every race weekend. All of those drivers have raced all five of the Arca West events, and there will be their sixth event out at Irwindale Speedway this coming weekend. Okay, we'll move on to the Arca Menard Series East. Uh, while you pull up the point standings there, Sal, uh, their next race isn't until July 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern time out at Iowa Speedway. They'll be racing the Calypso 150, and it will be broadcast on Fox Sports 2, so that will be on national television as well. 
So uh, let's talk about the point standings there, Sal. Yeah, so we got William Solich leading, Luke Fenhouse second, Sean Hingarani third, LeVar Scott fourth, Zachary Tinkle fifth, Tim Monroe sixth, Jake Finch seventh, Dale Sherrard eighth, Grass Smith ninth, and uh, Rita Gullett round out the top ten. Okay, Jake Finch has only run three of those four races. Same thing with Brad Smith and Rita Gullett. Um, so uh, this race, uh, Sean Hingarani is uh, in the top five, I think, in all three series. He's just having an amazing season racing all three series with Venturini Motorsports. Yeah, he is. He's ready for a championship in the East and West. Um, yes. Because he's too young to run the big tracks on the on the regular oh, arc series. Yeah. It just seems like I see yeah, his name all the time. Okay, so congratulations uh, to William Sawalich for being at the top of the leaderboard there in the ARCA West Series. I'm sorry, ARCA East Series. And uh, their next race is, we're going to have to wait a little while, July 15th, uh, before they race again out at Iowa. But you will be able to watch that one on Fox Sports 2. Some great articles over at ARCA Racing, Sal. Uh, let's see. You talked about that wreck that uh, Frankie Munoz was in. They've got the video of that. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a rough hit for him. Um, gosh, I mean, okay. Also, you can get your seats for the Arkham Menard Series West race out at Irwindale. And there's a link, uh, and it talks about the Night of Destruction plus the Arca Works West and Fireworks uh, that will be available there. So uh, you can actually be, click that link and order your tickets uh, for that race out at Irwindale. Yeah, you got If you're going to go, you got to get them quick because they're going to sell out within the next couple of days because of the Night of Destruction. Yeah. So I'm yeah. If you're planning on going out there, uh, you might want to hurry up and grab them because, like I said, the night of destruction and um and uh, we 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 sell out all of our night of destruction, especially with the weather we're going to be having this weekend. It's going to be nice, nice warm weather. So, um, and then the fact that it's not on it's not on Fourth of July, it's a few days before. That's even going to make it even more appetizing for the families because. You know, now they can bring their kids out to to see the data destruction, the uh, plus the fireworks show. They're still able to celebrate their with their families on uh, Tuesday. Oh, okay. Well, that's kind of cool. Okay. Um, so we've got a lot of racing coming up here in the Arkham Art Series, the East and the West. Uh, and uh, we're going to be hitting the halfway point for the Arkham Menard Series uh, here pretty soon. They've got seven races in out of a 20-race schedule. So three more races, and they're going to be uh, at the midpoint of their season. Let me just see here. Uh, Mid-Ohio, Iowa Speedway, and Pocono on July 21st will be the 10th race, 
and after that there's 10 more races before they go to their season finale out at Toledo Speedway on October the 7th. So um, three more races at the halfway point. And three very Getting different there. tracks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on now to the NASCAR Truck Series. They did race out at Nashville Super Speedway this past weekend, the Rackley Roofing 200, and the race winner was Carson Hosevar at the age of 20, driving the number 42 Worldwide Express Chevrolet for Nice Motorsports and with his crew chief, Phil Gould. It was the second victory in 67 Craftsman Truck Series races and his second victory in seventh top ten finish this year. It's also his first victory and second top ten finish in three races out at Nashville. Zane Smith came in second, posting his third top ten finish in three races at Nashville and his sixth top ten finish this year. Nick Sanchez finished third. That's for his first top ten finish in one race at Nashville. And uh, as with his third-place finish, he is the highest-finishing rookie, Nick Sanchez. Uh, Carson Hosevar also won the first uh, triple truck challenge race, so he picked up an additional $50,000 bonus. So uh, that's a big deal for Carson Hosevar there and his team. All right, uh, what did I get into here? I thought I was going to the Nashville race page, and something completely different came up. Okay, let's go over. Um, Carson Hosevar won the Rackley Roofing 200 uh, Truck Series race at Nashville Friday night uh, and took home that $50,000 bonus. It was the third race of the Triple Truck Challenge. Um, Corey Heim, who won Stage 2, he ended up finishing fourth. He led the most laps of the night pacing 57 of the 150 laps. Bailey Curry closed out the top five. Then it was Chase Purdy, Matt Benedetto, Tyler Ankrum, Ben Rhodes, Jake Garcia were the rest of the top ten. There were nine lead changes among seven drivers and seven cautions for 43 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 102.075 miles per hour. Your thoughts about the race results in the top ten here for Nashville? Yeah, it was a good race. I mean, Bailey Curry thought everybody seemed like everybody was pulling for him inside yep. the inside the booth because they just kept Bailey Curry, Bailey Curry all night long. But um, and then even Matt uh, uh, Di Benedetto, he had a really good run. It looked like he might even had a shot at the win. Um, yeah, I, Rackley I Roofing maybe, is sponsors. Yeah, I thought maybe um, uh, I thought maybe Zane would have had something for Carson towards the end, but it just didn't. He just, yeah. like they said, they both, you know, on on older tires, you know, everybody took new tires on that last on that last set of on that last caution. Zane Smith and uh, Carson stayed out. On, on the older tires, and, uh, you know, it just... It, it paid just, off in the end. They just... Oh, yeah, Zane just did on the tires, but, I mean, yeah, for, for guys like like 
like Brady Brady Curry who came in and took took right sides and went back out and he picked up a lot of uh he picked up a lot of spots but it was just uh, a lot of them said it was that when they're going to go green and they held them back one more lap and then uh it was a it was a crap shot from when that caution fell. That caution would have fallen three or four laps earlier. I think Zane would have, would have had a shot at him, but wasn't to be. Carson got his win, and uh, congratulations on Carson for the win. Absolutely. Uh, 18 cars finished on the lead lap. Stuart Friesen was the last car on the lead lap. Um, a, a bunch more drivers finished a lap or more down. Uh, taking it down to 32 drivers who were able to accomplish that. Uh, Lawless Allen just has had a really hard time of it. He had an accident and was out on lap seven. Uh, Memphis Villarreal uh, had an electrical issue that took him out of the race on lap 26. Brett Holmes had an accident taking him out on lap 92. Uh, Dean Thompson was out due to the damaged vehicle policy on lap 104. Uh, Raja Karuth was running up front, but uh, he ended up uh, he ended up running at the end of the race. Uh, but uh, him and uh, Nick Sanchez uh, were racing hard up at the front in the early part of the race. Yeah, then uh, uh, I guess Tyler Jeske had some uh, electrical issues and. That crash between uh, Haley Deegan and Lawless Allen. Lawless was just not happy with with, uh, with the way um, Haley ran him. Yeah, she was she was just really yeah. upset with her, you know. And you know, he, he voiced his opinion during the um, during the interview when they released her from the care center. Oh yeah, you could tell. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the margin of victory was uh, 0.271 thousandths of a second. Uh, so it was a close finish. Uh, really, it ended up being those three drivers uh, that were really uh, vying for that win at the end. But Carson Hosevar, uh prevailed and came out on top. Um, so anything else you want to point out about this race, Sal? No, that was really about it. It was a, you know, like I said, that caution kind of fell in a weird spot because uh, Carson and Zane both had tires, had new tires they could have put on, but it was a matter of do you come in and put the new tires on and lose the track position and right. you that you're quick enough to get back in, or do you just, you know, you know, and, and – uh, you know, good good thing Zane, you know, chose that because, like I said, they went one extra lap on yellow, and that that was that could have been had Zane come in and take the tires, that would have been the deciding factor on him probably finishing possibly outside of the top five. Mm. Jake Drew, uh, he was in the car at uh, he was in the number twenty four car uh, this weekend, and. Uh, he ended up finishing in 12th place. Not bad for him. Yeah, it's, so he had a good run. He did have a good run. You want to cover the uh, point standings for the Truck Series, Sal? Yeah, and then the points are, um, let me see, they're right here. Okay. 
driver points are Corey Hive still leading the points, St. Smith in second, Grant Enfinger in third, Ty Majeski in fourth, Ben Rhodes in fifth, and then from there, then we go to Christian Eckes in sixth, Carson Osovar in seventh, Matt D. Uh, Benedetto is in eighth, Matt Kraft in ninth, and holding up the 10th spot is uh, Nick Sanchez. He's also the highest rookie um, in the uh, in the field. Yeah, I'm really pulling for him. He's he's had a good run here so far. We'll have to see if he can uh, you know keep that or improve his position uh, for the playoffs. Uh, there's not many races left in the truck series. I think there's only three more races left. Uh, for these guys to secure their spots in the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see who prevails in the end. Yeah, Is there anybody yeah, below the cut line you think could come up with a win? Nick and Stewart are only uh, six points away from each other. Actually, Stewart, Friesen, and Tanner Gray are tied at 344. Mm-hmm. They're only six points behind Nick Sanchez, but... Um, uh, I don't know. There's not really. I don't really There's see. There's Middle Ohio Sports Park Course, Pocono Raceway, and Richmond. Richmond will be the yeah, last I race of the regular season on July 29th. I don't really see a driver then that could really that I can really honestly say maybe Tanner Gray. I don't know David Gillen racing. They've been having some. They haven't really been on on point this year. Uh, you know, as you can tell by the by where the by where he's running at. You know, he's sitting twelfth in points. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I know David's got a lot going on with the Arca East and West series. He's he sold a lot of his equipment. Some of the some of the teams out here in California have bought a, a few of his cars. So. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know what's going on with that. Don't know what's going on with that team as far as, you know, if they're going through transition period or they just, uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Uh, but with only three races left to secure a spot in the playoffs, uh, I think we're going to continue to see uh, some pretty intense racing uh, from this group. So uh, stay tuned because there's more to come. Uh, I was looking, the next race for the truck series uh, is at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, uh, and that's not until July 8th, so they'll have the week off this week. Uh, They'll race the O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 on Saturday, July the 8th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be on Fox Sports 1. So uh, they've got several stories here. Uh, that are available over at jskis.com. And uh, there's uh, a lot going on out at Nashville. So uh, you'll read all about that over there at uh, jskis on the Truck Series page. They do a nice job of covering all three of the series here. Yeah, they do. And it's going to be tough to see, you know, who who would be a front runner for the – you know, for the championship this year, I guess you could always go and Zane Smith, 
you know, is one of the front runners. But um, Matt Crafton just isn't having a, a championship season this year. I think mm-hmm. Matt's tired. I think Matt, I think it's, Matt probably feels it might be time to retire pretty soon. Um, all these young kids are just, you know, going by him and then. But, you know. It, well, we'll see. Matt Crafton is yeah. one of the stalwarts of the uh, NASCAR truck series. Carson Hosevar has really got a lot of momentum on his side right now. Uh, he's been doing great in that regard. Uh, okay, I'm trying to pull up my notes here. Let me try this again for the Xfinity series. I've got another pathway if it doesn't come up there. So, let me uh, go to the uh, race page for the Tennessee Lottery 250. Um, A.J. Allmendinger won the Tennessee Lottery 250 for his 17th victory in 96 Xfinity Series races. Um It was also uh, his second victory and third top ten finish uh, this season, and his first victory and second top ten finish in three races out at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, Great finish for Raleigh Herbst. He came in second, posting his third top ten finish in three races at Nashville, and his seventh top ten finish so far this season. Sam Mayer finished third, posting his second top ten finish in two races at Nashville Super Speedway. Um, Parker Retzklaff was in tenth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, Colleague Racing's A.J. Allmendinger held off an especially spirited field in a double overtime to earn his first oval race victory of the season in the dramatic Tennessee Lottery 250 at Nashville. Um, Though Almondinger spun in the opening laps of the second stage, he was able to rebound in order to win the lottery, Tennessee Lottery 250 uh, in the Xfinity Series at Nashville. The win was the 17th of his career and his sixth on an oval. Uh, Riley Earps tied his best career finish of second, which was his first top ten effort since the Circuit of the Americas in late March. Sam Mayer rebounded from a 34th place qualifying position to place third. Austin Hill and Josh Berry round out the top five. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek took the checkered flag in sixth place with Zane Smith, Daniel Hamrick, Cole Custer, Parker Rutzlaff completing the top Ten. Ty Gibbs won the opening stage, but he wrecked on the first lap after a restart in the second stage. Chandler Smith won that second stage in his second for his second stage win of the season. There were 17 lead changes among 11 drivers and 11 cautions for 58 yellow flag laps. The average uh, speed of the race 97.542 miles per hour, a little slower than they were in the truck series. But your thoughts here about the top ten? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I uh, gosh, I missed this race, too. I was, um, I took a, me and Sandy took a road trip out to Phoenix to go, I had to go pick up some stuff. Mm. So uh, we were on the road all day for 12 hours, left at, what, 
four in the morning and didn't get home until almost nine o'clock, eight o'clock. Yep, that's Saturday a long night. day. So, yeah, and then I didn't even get a chance to see the replay of the race. I tried to watch it at work today. My my phone, even though it recorded, didn't let me didn't let me see it. So, uh, congratulations on AJ Almendinger. Gosh, I wish I could have seen it because I would have liked to have seen the finish between him and Riley and and what actually caused Riley not to win this race. You mm-hmm. know, um, Riley came so know, close. Yeah, you the know, it's funny because we're... Was 1.323 seconds, if that helps at all. Oh, that, that was a butt-whipping then. <laughs> Anything over <laughs> a second on a, on a oval is, is you're, you're not even close. Yeah, but it was a nice uh, uh, top finish for Parker Retzloff. Oh yeah, you know then and then you know then with Josh Berry, you know making the move over to to Stuart Haas next year to get the fifth place win. Um, Saint Smith coming over and uh, you know getting some seat time in uh in a um, in an Xfinity ride kind of makes you wonder you know what what Saint Smith's um, uh, uh, that might be for next year, you know. Um, yeah. Daniel Hemrick finishing eighth. Gosh, Daniel Hemrick wins a one, wins a one race, wins a championship, and then that's all you hear from him the rest of his career. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind went of, through a lot of races before he won that one, so uh, yeah, hopefully and, and, he'll. You know, and, you know, and then and then Cole Cush, you know, getting the pole for this race, you know, that coming home finishing ninth. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but like you said, you know, Parker Retz left. You know the highest finishing rookie, you know, in tenth. You know, that mm-hmm. was that was you know, that was that was good for the team, you know, on you know, of course, you know, we still root for Cole. You know, and uh you know, I look at Cole and Riley and I and I think about about Tony's um press release when he talked about Josh Berry. You know, and I there's just so much to do. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're gonna say. You know. Well Haiti too, because there was uh everybody thought that that Tony was warming up a seat for Haley Deegan, and he he basically told Haley, you know what, you know you might as well retire after this year. But you know, I I kind of thought oh. maybe Cole or Riley would have moved back up into the Cups. Well, Cole would have moved back up to the Cup Series next year, or maybe even Riley might have had a chance. You know, that Tony called up. It seems like Tony's making the calls over there because uh, I I think Gina. Gene Haas would have had something to say about, you know, let's bring up, you know, our Xfinity drivers, you know. But, mm-hmm. you know, just like when he kicked Cole out of the seat and brought in, you know, Ryan Priest, and Ryan Priest is, <laughs> hasn't done anything well, to there. Lester, from what I understood, and it was Gene Haas uh, that uh, overruled Tony and said he wanted Ryan Priest. No, it was opposite. Are you sure? Yeah, okay. Gene. Gene want. Yeah, no, no. Gene wanted to keep Cole in the car, and and because that that car, that's Gene's car. And Tony oh, okay. told him, "No, you know, let's 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 move Cole down and let's bring Ryan Priest up." Tony's had his eye on Ryan Priest for a while. Yeah, it was it was the opposite. But either way, um, you know, there's they they got to do something over there at Stewart Haas Racing. I mean, they. T- they need to start picking up some wins. They're they're exciting. Well, program. They, they're going to be in a rebuilding phase too, especially if Eric Almarola leaves. 
because you've got Josh Berry coming into the number four next year. Uh, Chase Briscoe just hasn't had any luck at all, um, and I, I, I think I know he's a better driver than what uh, he's showing in that series. Uh, but I feel like I can't blame Chase uh, because they're still not uh, quite up to par. The only driver who's doing anything at Stewart House Racing is Kevin Harvick. So we'll see what happens. But let me go over the stats here. Um, there were 16 drivers finishing on the lead lap. Kaz Grala was the last driver on the lead lap there. Several other drivers finishing a lap down, got down to lap to uh, Mason Massey, who finished in 32nd place. Uh, then you had uh, several drivers uh, having incidents, taking them out of the race, starting with Stephen Parsons. Uh, he had an accident and didn't even get a lap in. Uh, then Ty Gibbs had that accident, taking him out on lap 53. Carson Hosevar uh, was also in that accident, took him out of the race as well on lap 53. Connor Mosack uh, was out on lap 61 uh, due to the damaged vehicle policy. Sammy Smith out on lap 68 because of an accident. Josh Williams had an alternator problem. That took him out of the race on lap 111. So uh, everybody else uh, from 32nd and up, uh, up to the 16th position, finished a lap or more down. So um, it was an interesting race. I didn't get to see all of it. I watched some of the highlights. I was I was really kind of pulling uh, for uh, Riley Herbst, but um, I think he'll take a second place finish at this point. And I thought it was a good run for him. Oh yeah, he'll you wanna... take a second place finish. You know, it's uh, yep. it's a it's a jump in the. It's a jump in the in the right direction, you know what, and um, you know, and it's a big confidence booster, especially, you know, that the the um, what's what's happened his last you know few races, you know, the bad luck he's had. So, um, you know, it it keeps him solidly in in the in the hunt, you know, to make the chase this year, which is which is the you know the biggest thing, you know, is to make the chase. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of that, he's. Yeah, Austin and Austin Hill. Hill, he's been quiet. Austin Hill's been quiet all of a sudden. Yeah, he has been. <laughs> I remember been, he was making a lot of noise. He stayed consistent, but he's not. carry him into the playoffs. Oh, yeah, he's not making all the noise that he was when when the season started, but he's he's hanging in there. He's yeah. hanging tough, so that's what counts. Um, let me see. We have uh, he had a top ten finish, I think. Yeah. So, on, and then on the points end of it, we got John Hunter Nemechek, uh leading the points. Um, Austin Hill in second. Um, Justin Allgaier in third. Cole Custer still holding on in fourth with uh, with his one win. So he's he's locked into the into the chase. Um, Josh Berry, who we thought would have already had you know a win or two, you know sitting in fifth with. Uh, no wins and Chandler Smith, the highest rookie, is sixth because they only take the top twelve, and then from there, then you go to Sheldon Creed, who is also quiet this race, uh, and seventh, Sam Mayer in eighth, 
Um, Riley Herbst, who had that good second place finish, you know, to keep him, you know, steady, you know, inside the inside the top twelve. And then tenth uh, is uh, Daniel Hemrick. Eleventh uh, is Sammy Smith. And twelfth is Parker Clearman. With uh, actually Jeb Burton would take over Parker Clearman's spot because Jeb has the he's got the one win. So actually, it'd be Brandon Jones who would who would be. Uh, Parker Clear would be on the bubble with Brandon Jones right behind him. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, Chandler Smith, the highest rookie there. Uh, Austin Hill has the most wins at three. So he's also got the most playoff points because he's got three stage wins to go along with his three victories. So he's in. He's sitting pretty. Uh, he he can kind of learn right now for when the playoffs begin. Which, by the way, uh, they've already started their 10-race countdown. Nashville was 10 races uh, before the playoffs begin. They've got nine more races uh, with Chicago Street Race next weekend, Atlanta Motor Speedway, New Hampshire, Pocono, Road America uh, in July. Then in August, it's Michigan, Indianapolis uh, Road Course, Watkins Glen and Daytona International Speedway will be, uh, no, it won't. Uh, those races are in August, and then the last two races in September, Darlington Raceway and Kansas Speedway will be the last race of their regular season uh, before they play, start their playoffs on September 15th out at Bristol. So let me count. I might have counted that wrong. One, Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven races left uh, before those playoffs begin. Uh, so they've got eleven more races before their playoffs begin. Uh, so they're not in the ta- the ten races before, but it's getting close. Yeah, it is getting close. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, exciting next few weeks. You know, as you know, as the drivers start to set themselves up, you know, for the, you know, to, uh, yeah, stay tuned September 9th for Kansas Speedway. That's the last chance race to make it into the playoffs. It yeah, seems it's like gonna it's going to be going to be closer we get. <laughs> yeah. They're going to, uh, they're going to be really putting on a, put on a show for the fans, you know, to get that, um, you know, to make sure that they do make the, uh, you know, that they do get a chance, you know, to get in the playoffs, you know, and race for the, and race for the, for the championship. Yes, indeed. Uh, anybody you see below the cut line right now, Sal, that you think might make it in with a win? I don't know. I mean, you know, you kind of wonder about Brandon Jones. You know, for a while there, Brandon, you know, was really, you know, was really making waves. And all of a sudden, he just kind of, kind of like, how do they say the cowboy said, you know, he kind of rode off into the sunset. You know, it hasn't been seen. (laughs) Yeah. So. I I remember for a while there Brandon Jones was a was a name. 
Yeah, he was an up-and-coming you know, driver. Um, yeah. Brett, and good equipment. And Joe Gibbs Racing Equipment. Or no, he's not. He's in junior motorsports equipment this year. Uh, he's in Noah Gregson's car from last year. So, yeah, you know he's in good equipment. Yeah, same thing with Brett Moffitt. You know, everybody expects, you know, Brett Moffitt, you know, coming from the truck series, you know, and make a, and make a splash. Oh, splash. You know, it's funny uh, we use the same word. <laughs> well, I know we don't use the words the kids use. I don't even know what they use anymore. I, I, crazy. But, um, yeah. and then Ryan Sieg, I mean, what happened to Ryan Sieg? Ryan yeah, Sieg he was having so well good he, runs for a while, too. We'll have to see if he yeah, can he, pull it off. He, he looked like he was going to be a, you know, a contender, you know, for the, you know, to make the chase. And he just kind of, I don't know, he just started having bad runs and for whatever reason and, Yeah, let's go ahead and set you know, up our guest. Uh, we've got a guest okay. coming on here shortly. So let's go ahead and set yeah, that up, guest, listeners. Yeah, our guest is, um, we had him, we've had him on the show uh, twice before. Um, first time we had him on to talk about his, uh, um, about racing for Ricky Slick Racing in the, um, in the, uh, Idex Legend series, and then uh, we talked about his uh, his heart condition because his uh, the name of his the name is he races for Ricky Schlick race Ricky Schlick Racing, but they call he calls his team Lionheart. Mm-hmm. So I've been following Nathan for the last few years, watching him progress, 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 and you know wait for you know finally get that breakout win. Well, it figures he gets the breakout win. And I'm not, I'm not at the track. Uh-huh. And then he gets this, yeah. And then he gets this out at a, gosh, I was out of state. I forget what race I was covering, but I, I missed the Urndale race. And then he went out of state and won another race. And then finally, uh, two weeks ago out here at Urndale Speedway, um, two, three weeks ago, he finally got his, um, finally got his third win, which I was able to be there for it. So it was deep to see all the all the celebration and and uh um you know you know to you know be able to, to photograph in victory lane and not only that but witness the the race itself very good okay, race. Well, Sam, um, i'm going to let you do the entire 15 minutes of interview but i need you to be done in 15 minutes um because we still have the NASCAR Cup Series race at Nashville to review. So is that okay with you? That's fine. I'll, 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 I'll go over with like five minutes to go, and then this way you can do the closeout, you know, with the, with the shout-outs and all that. Oh, okay. Okay, that'll be fine. Uh, but, yeah, yeah it'll be, it'll he's be here now. Out. I'm going to bring him into the queue if you want to go ahead and start the interview. Okay. Well, our guest for tonight is is uh, um, uh, Nathan Quella. We've had him on before. He's uh, he races um, legends over here at um, Erndale Speedway. Actually, races legends all throughout the state of California now. From what I'm starting to follow him, um, he picked up a, a big win here a few weeks ago at the track. A couple weeks ago, it was really neat to see the um, 
it was really neat to see the uh let's see I'm trying to pull up the point standings here real quick. Um Okay, here we go. Um, it was really, it was really neat to see if you know fi- finally grab that win. Um, and with that, you know, we want to welcome Nathan to the show. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Thank you guys for having me on. So, I remember when I first started watching watching you race when you first came on. You know what? It was neat to see. You know the the fire in you. You know the desire. You know what? the hard work you put in, not only with the legends, you know, but just, you know, helping, you know, any driver that needed help, you know, especially, you know, when it came to, you know, anybody that raced on your team, you know, going to the SRL and all that, you know, and um, and then finally getting your first win, which I missed, but then I was able to grab this last win. And uh, I'll tell you, um, <laughs> man, it was, a, it was a probably, probably just, ex- just exciting for me, probably as it was for you and the family, but, um, so I just want to congratulate you once again on the win and just kind of go over, just kind of go over the race a little bit with us. Yeah, thank you very much. It was definitely a fun one. Um, like you said, it was our third win of the year, second at Irwindale. Um, it was a little tough starting from sixth, but Ricky Schlick just gave me such an outstanding car, and we were able to march our way up to the front. Had a very long green flag run, so we were kind of just biding our time a little bit. Um, with the lead that we had. And then, of course, that caution with, I think it was six laps to go, and uh, got a good restart, and off we went and took the checkered flag. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, for, for the, for the, um, for the listeners out there, this is this is an this is an INEX series. You know, it's not a it's not a NASCAR series, so it's run by a whole different. Um, it's run by a whole different um, organization. So um, when they when the legends come into Irondale Speedway, they bring their own um, they bring their own tech guy. They bring their own set of rules, and they bring everything basically. And they run a series here at the track. So um, you know it's kind of neat you know to see. Uh, the way these guys compete because man there's a lot of a lot of good talent out there there's young drivers you know you got a couple older drivers you got some good veterans you got some some good solid rookies and you really got some good racing so if you guys ever get a chance to come out and watch a legend race you know out here at Irondale you know I would I would highly recommend it I mean these guys they they put on their one heck of a show so what was it like to to finally pick up your second win at Irondale, you know, and kind of get that monkey off your back. I, you know, I know you've had, you know, some, you know, a couple races, you know, that, you know, you look like you had, you know, and then, you know, especially racing on the little third mile track, you know, anything can happen, you know, and it usually does happen. Yeah. Like you said, anything that can happen will eventually happen. And we definitely had that happen to us a few times. Uh, We put ourselves in good position if we would win the pole and it just, wouldn't shake out but with these past two races it's been really rewarding I think is the the main word to prove what we knew we had in terms of speed and in terms of um, the ability to get out front and stay there Um, it was nice to get out into the lead Um, I don't know that I had ever led laps before that Um, so to to take that and get out front and stay there and see that checkered flag first was very, very, very rewarding. You know, and, and 
And it's funny because, you know, we have a couple other divisions that run on that, you know, on the third mile, you know what, and, and you know, of course, you know, they, they put on a good, good show, but, you know, it's like they say, you know, we, I, you know, by far you guys put on the best show, you know, especially, you know, when you get, you know, 15, 20, 25, you know, cars out there on that little track, because before you know it, you know, you're coming up on lap traffic and, you know, there's not, it don't look like there's really much room to pass. And then you got that little bump over there in three and four. I know, I know, Tim and them, they they repaved it. Has it has that bump gotten any little better, or or does it play more to your advantage now? Um, personally, I think it plays to my advantage. I come from a background of off road racing where we're jumping ten feet in the air, jumping a hundred feet in distance. Um, so I think that helps. And Ricky Schlick has always had a, a good setup that can handle the bump over there. In my opinion, it has turned from one bump into two, but the two bumps are softer than the the one bump that we did used to have. Um, and with, um, for those who don't know, we have a new shock brand, AFCO Shocks. They, in my opinion, handle the bump better, and it allows me to just hold a little bit of throttle in over the bump and clamp the throttle on exit. You know, that's another thing I was going to ask you about, you know, the new shock package. I, I know it took some of the teams a while to get it. I know some of the teams from that came from back east, you know, that race a lot. You know, back in Charlotte, you know, you know, they've come out and race. You know, they've had all the, you know, all, all the new upgrades. So with the new upgrades, you know, that you guys are getting, I, and I know they're talking about, a, you know, now, you know, a new motor and, and all that. What's it like with, with the new shock package? Well, I got to say, the, the new shocks, they're a lot faster um, at tracks like Irwindale. We, I mean, I remember when a fast time at Irwindale was a 16.5 or a 16.6, and now we're running consistently in the 16.2s and 16.3s. They're a lot faster. They are challenging to learn. They definitely drive differently. It's a lot more reliant upon getting the throttle down early and holding it, but it's really, really fast around certain tracks like Irwindale. So, so minus the, you know, the, the practice, you know, uh, that you guys, you don't get, you know, like, uh, Friday and Saturday, is there any other times, you know, that, uh, that you guys go down and, and, uh, and test? Uh, for me personally, no, but I, I do enjoy going out with Ricky uh, we've got some younger drivers, uh, namely Stevie, Stevie Rodriguez. She's um, been out racing with us the past couple of races. Um, it's been nice to see her develop. So we we go out there almost every Thursday night with her at Irwindale to test. And So for me personally, no, I don't test very often, but I do go out and try to coach and help work on the cars on Thursday nights. So how so how much does that help you know you know go out you know helping her you know also you know help you know work on the car you know as far as you know you know when it comes time you know for you to race on Saturday you know and you you know you guys go out there practice and you're qualifying you know and you guys are you know working on the car in between practice you know to try and get a really good setup you know for race time how much does all that come into play? I think for me it gives me kind of a sense of the track conditions. Is the track going to be slicker or or is it going to have a lot of grip on any given weekend because the Thursdays, for the most part, going to be pretty similar 
to the Saturday race day. Um, but as a person, it also teaches me more about how these cars work. Anytime you can go out and, and get your hands on a car and see that car go around the track, it, one, gives you a sense of pride that you worked on something that is going out there and, and running. But it has taught me a lot about the cars and helps me to understand when my car feels a certain way that it boils down to something in the rear end or something in the front end and being able to kind of tell the difference between little little bits of the car and is really good and feel what needs to be changed. So as far as as far as a uh, um, an ideal race condition, you know, what would you see as you know as a, as you know as an ideal race condition? Would you you know temperatures you know in the in the mid eighties, you know, a little bit warmer, or or do you like the colder weather? You know, the winter time, you know, when it's you know uh, 60, 50, 60 degrees. Personally, I like the faster the better, and from my experience at Irwindale, when it is about mid-60s at race time, about 8.30, um, the sun's gone down, so it's not in our eyes heading off into turn one. Um, but yeah, about 65 degrees, and a track that's been well broken in um, with a lot, of, a lot of rubber down, it tends to A, be the fastest, and B, be the raciest, where you can actually battle with people. Um, and there's grip on multiple lines of the track. So uh, out there, you know, you know, come race day, who's who's one of your biggest adversaries out there? You know, who's one of your, like your biggest challenges? You know, when you're because it seems like every week, you know, there's every race, you know, there's you just never know who's going to be running up front, who's going to be running in the back, and and you know, it seems like everybody just kind of gets shuffled around. But who would you say is one of your biggest one of your biggest challenges out there? Well, Irwindale, I mean, in the Legends cars, is known for being a pretty competitive track. We've got a lot of good drivers. I mean, recently, Logan Chambers, one of my good buddies, has finished second in both of the last two races. He won the race before that on the Roval that we had out there. Um, Chad Shug has always been good there. I think he's a five-time champion. Tyler Hicks is always one to watch. Um, I think he was at Orange Show for one of our races, but... He's always good when he's there. Um, and then you got other people that have started to show up, like uh, Daniel O'Donnell having come out of the Bandoleros and into the Legends cars this year, Stephen Bazin in a similar situation. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of really good competitive cars, but recently it's been Logan Chambers that has kind of kept me on my toes. But, I mean, going forward into the next race, I think we're going to have a lot of competition coming uh, mainly from Vegas and there's a lot of good cars that can show up on any given weekend. So it's just about making sure that you are in the best position for yourself to go out there and exceed no matter who's out there. Yeah. I have to agree with you on Logan. He has been a, he has been one heck of a man where he, where he came from and, you know, he's making a, a real, a real good, uh, 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 making a real good um, showing out there. And with that, Nathan, you know what? Once again, you know we're running running close out of time, and um, uh, I know Sharon, she's um, she wants. I think she has a couple of questions for you too. And uh, 
And, uh, you know, I just want to say once again, you know, congratulations on the win. Uh, good luck the rest of the season, and we'll see you uh, next next week. Not this weekend, but next weekend out there at the track. Yeah, thank you, Sal. Thank you for having me on. Okay, Nathan, I want to add my congratulations uh, to you for your victory. Uh, I know that had to be a great feeling, and and I, I like to give drivers a chance to do a shout-out here, too, uh, to your race team, because, and I know you talked a little about, about how much uh, Ricky Schlick uh, works with you, but uh, let's give a shout-out to uh, some other members of your team, and I know you've got some great sponsors as well. Yeah, again, Ricky Schlick for giving me a great car and always wanting to work with uh, with my family. Econoware has been a huge partner for us. They've allowed us to do a lot of extra racing and to exceed at every track that we go to. Um, my mom has a real estate company, the Peterson Euler's real estate team. Um, that, of course, helps. Um, Studio Work Rentals, American Mobile Power Company, Cinema Vehicle Services, Central Sierra Enterprise, um, and everybody else that, that helps to get our car to the track and get our people to the track um, and do as well as we do. And then, of course, want to give a shout-out to my family for letting me live out this crazy, crazy dream. Um, I know it's hard for them to to send their kid out there to run 100 miles an hour, but i got to thank them for letting me live this out. Um, and all the other people who help us at the track, um, Tom Landreth, the Hayfords, Terry Custer, um, and everybody who is there to support me. Okay. And, Nathan, uh, I know uh, you do this under some health conditions, uh, and I just want to say I, I, you must be feeling pretty good uh, if you're out there winning. So you're feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling great, and that's thanks to tons and tons of doctors and nurses um, and a lot of family support. Um, yeah, eight eight heart surgeries, three of them open heart. It, I do still feel it from time to time, just in, in little bits of, like, maybe not having the, the running endurance of some people, but just a team of great doctors and surgeons and nurses that have allowed me to get out there and do what I love and, and not be worse for wear. Well, I think it's fantastic. And, uh, Nathan, we're always happy to have you on the show, and uh, we'll look forward to another opportunity down the road here. Uh, but uh, when's your next race? So my next race is the next Irwindale race, which is on July the 8th. That's going to be a, a really nice, fun race. Um, so for anybody in the Southern California area that wants to come out July 8th, uh, main events start at 7 o'clock. Irwindale always puts on a great show. Okay. Uh, thanks again, Nathan, and congratulations to you again. And we'll look forward to talking to you the next time, okay? Thank you again for having me. All right. Uh, take care now. You too. All right, that is Nathan Quella, and he drives the number 42 Legends car for Ricky Schlick Racing, and uh, he had a big win out at Irwindale Speedway here uh, earlier this month. Uh, but, Sal, we've got to move on now 
to our uh, Cup Series review. Uh, the Cup Series race this weekend, and it was a big win uh, for Trackhouse Racing and their driver, Ross Chastain, at the age of 30, uh, driving the number one Worldwide Express Chevrolet uh, for Trackhouse Racing with crew chief Philip Surgeon. Uh, it was his third victory in 168 Cup Series races, his first victory in eighth top ten finish this year, and uh, the first victory and third top ten finish in three races at Nashville. Martin Truex Jr. finished second. He posted his first top ten finish in three races in Nashville. It is ninth top ten finish of the season. Denny Hamlin finished third, posting his second top ten finish in three races at Nashville Super Speedway. And Ty Gibbs, uh, who finished 14th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, this was uh, an interesting race. It was a hometown win for Trackhouse Racing. Uh, Justin Marks uh, is from the Nashville area, but uh, Ross Chastain capped off a perfect race weekend, hitting all the right notes in the Music City to earn the winner's guitar trophy for Sunday's Ally 400 at Nashville. His first Cup Series race uh, victory of the season uh, a day after claiming his first career pole position as well. Uh, and then he was able to hoist that new guitar. Uh, and he had his watermelon bash as well. Uh, it was a nod to his family's multi-generational watermelon farm in rural Alva, Florida. And it was sold out. It was in front of a sold-out Nashville crowd home to his race team owner, Justin Marks. Uh, they roared with enthusiasm for the long, uh, smoke-filled victory burnout that he did in front of the grandstands to his enthusiastic uh, melon drop. Uh, again, it was uh, Ross Testain uh, getting that first win of the year and the first at Nashville, the third of his career. Uh, Truex finished second, followed by Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, William Byron, Christopher Bell, uh, the 43 of Eric Jones, Kyle Busch, and A.J. Allmendinger. Chastain started from the pole. He led 99 of the 300 laps. He took the lead with 70 laps left, cycled back to the lead after a final round of green flag pit stops, and then held off Truex to win by nearly one second. Stage one was run by Tyler Reddick. Stage two by Denny Hamlin. There were 21 lead changes among 12 drivers and four cautions for 24 yellow flag laps. Uh, the average speed of the race was 132.914 miles per hour. Um, your thoughts about that top ten, but before you get into it, uh, Parker Kligerman said uh, that as far as uh, rear-view mirror racing, uh, Ross Chastain is one of the best, and it makes it hard for people to pass him. And I know Martin Truex Jr. felt that frustration, not being able to pass him for that victory. Uh, that's what makes him such a tough competitor out there on the track. But this was a clean win for him. Yeah, they they talked about it. Even uh, Dell Jr. and them were saying, you know, up in the booth, you know, it was a clean, it was a clean race for him, you know, and you know, I, come on, guys, you got to get over, it, you know, because, you yeah. know, who's more, 
who's more dirtier than Danny Hamlin? You know what? And, and Danny went out there and said, you know, he had a third place car. That was about the best of a car that he had. But you know what? It, it, it's okay for other drivers to do it, but you know, it's just for some reason everybody choose to pick on on Chastain, probably because he's a farmer. I don't know. It, it's it's just yeah. crazy. I mean, but either way, you know, he he got the win. You know what? And you know, and uh, you know his his post race, you know, interviews, you know, really, you know, really good. You know, and he said, you know, you just got to keep going out there and trying, you know, don't worry about what other people tell you, talk about you, let them talk, you know, just go out there and do, do, you know, what, you know, and, you know, he thanked his team, you know, for being, you know, real supportive with them during, you know, all the, all the bad press he was getting, you know, Mark Turks Jr., you know what, keep crying, you know what, just retire already, please. You know, yeah, I, mean, I know he he, he was uh, a little frustrated, but I think it was heat of the moment frustration. After the race, he didn't even mention it. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of like the drivers like uh, Ryan Newman and uh, the drivers like Ryan Newman and uh, uh, Ross Chastain that are really hard to drive. Uh, can you imagine being behind those drivers trying to pass them and you can't do it? You're going to get frustrated. Uh, so I, I don't blame Martin for being frustrated. I think that's a natural feeling when you're trying to pass a guy and you can't do it. You know, and and and, and the shoe's been on the other foot where he's been in the front. You know what? And he's yep. he's not letting nobody go around him. You're racing for a win. You know, you're not over there making friends. You know, trying to, you know, well here you take the lead and then I'll take the lead. You know, back and forth. You're racing for a win. You know, so you're gonna do what you can to hold the yep. person back. As you know, it's just that it was. It's just that it was Ross Chastain and it was track house racing, you know what, and, you know, they're the, you know, the supposedly, you know, the uh, low low men on the total pole on the block, you know, but either way, that was a good run for him. You know, congrats to Chase Elliott, you know, picking up that fourth place win, uh, fourth place finish, not win, but fourth place finish. You know what, and mm-hmm. Eric Jones, you know, finishing eighth, you know, it was good to see, you know, um, uh, you know, it was good to see, uh um, you know, Jimmy Johnson slash Richard Petty's team, you know, get the, you know, finally get a top 10. Cause mm-hmm. man, it just doesn't seem like, it just doesn't seem like no one's going to get it this year, you know. So, you know, congrats on Eric on that. Cowboys continues with his top 10 finishes, you know, continues to be strong. AJ Allmendinger, you know what? Um, you know, 10th place. Brad Kozlowski with all the problems he had, you know, to pick up that, you know, you got to go down to 11th place. You know, uh-huh. and congrats, Brad, you know, with all the problems he had, you know, to get that 11th place finish and continue, you know, to have a, a I call it a stellar season compared to what he had last year, because last year, his season was a huge flop. Yep. You know, yep. and then, of, of course, the highest finishing rookie, you know, Ty Gibbs, you know, up in 14th place, you know, um, you know, so, um, but, you know, congrats to, you know, Ross, you know, got the watermelon, broke it, ate it, you know, Went to come up to the fans, you know, shared it with the fans, um, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and had a good interview, you know what? Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of fans, you know what? And, and his fan base is just going to grow even more now, you know, so, you know, um, you know, track house, congratulations, track house racing, you know what? I mean, you know, they put Daniel Suarez up in the 12th spot, you know, it's going to see Daniel, you know, go there and congratulate his teammate. So, but um, you know, hey, you know, yep, they it, was it. A, it was 
good race. He earned it. He did. And uh, I'll tell you, there were, uh, uh, let's see, on the uh, 21 cars on the lead lap, uh, finished all uh, 300 laps of the race. Uh, several other cars, most of the other cars, in fact, all the way down to 35th place, uh, were running, just uh, running laps down, and only one car actually didn't finish the race. Uh, and he was out on lap 146. Ryan Blaney had that hard hit. Uh, and one thing I think people have to remember about that hard hit by Ryan Blaney is that NASCAR recently made some changes to the car so that the car would absorb some of the impact from those hard hits like that. And that's exactly what happened. I know the announcers were talking about uh, they hadn't seen the car be damaged like that before. Well, that's because they took out some of the sturdier fenders and everything that they they had on that uh, next-gen car so that the car would absorb those hard hits. So uh, the car did its job as far as I could see, and I think that was a good change uh, for them in doing that. But there should have been a safer barrier there, and I know NASCAR is going to work on putting that safer barrier out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they will. And even uh, um, Ryan Blaney said, he goes, if they don't, he goes, I'll pay for it out of my own pocket. Yeah, he did say you know, that. He said, he, said, he said, just so nobody else has to, you know, has to go through, you know, what I went through, you know, hitting that thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was definitely a hard hit. Uh, but uh, I thought it was a good race. I was happy for Ross Chastain, and I uh, can't wait. We got to go over the points, though. I want to make sure we take that time for the points here, too. Yeah. So the points you got: Martin Truex leading the points, William Byron in second, Ross Chastain in third. He was up there, already looking to make the chase. He just locked himself in with that win. Uh, Christopher mm-hmm. Bell in fourth with the one win. Kyle Busch in fifth with three wins. Kevin Harvick in sixth with no wins. Danny Hamlin in seventh with one win. Ryan Blaney with the win, and that's the top eight. And then from there, then you go down to the next eight, which is Kyle Larson with two wins, Joy Logano with the win, Brad Keselowski sitting good and solid in the 11th spot uh, with no wins. Uh, Chris Buescher, 13th is Tyler Reddick, who also has a win. Ricky Stenhouse, who won the season opening, the total 500. Um, he's locked into the chase. Uh then you get down to Bubba Wallace, Daniel Swartz, and Alex Bowman. Alex Bowman is making a charge to get into the chase. Uh-huh. You know, after all those races because of his uh, because of his injury. So, um, man, Daniel and Bubba better watch out because uh, there's still a lot of racing left for uh, for the Cup Series, and Alex has a shot to push you know to push Daniel out. If Daniel keeps having the the finishes that he has with Bubba keeps worrying about putting himself in the press, he's going to slowly get uh, creeped out of there, and, and uh, Daniel's going to take his spot. But I I, you can, I know Alex is – if you're going to ask me who, who has a shot at a win this year that doesn't have, have one that's outside of the chase right now, I would say Alex yep. Bowman has a win in him before the end of the season. Yeah, and, and you don't forget you've got uh, Chase Elliott – too, that's trying to get that race win to uh, put himself in. Yeah. And I do think that we could see some surprise winners here in the uh, Cup Series as well. And in fact, I think this race at uh, the Chicago Street Course 
uh, I think is a good chance to have a surprise winner uh, win that race. It's going to be kind of an interesting event, and uh, I think it could shake up some things down there at the bubble. I, I I think one of the early favorites has to be Chase Elliott. Yeah, he's one of you them. Know. But I think you there's know, some I others. Think, I think Chase. I don't want to give away my race pick, so I'm not going to say too much. But I think there are some others here that could uh, pull off a surprise win. Yeah, I I I I, I think Chase. See, Chase has always been good on the on the road course. I know it's the street course, but. You know, I, I think this might be, you know, Chase gets that win, you know, and locks himself into the, uh, and locks himself into the, uh, into the chase. Yeah. Um, so do you, uh, are gonna you going to be at the race? You're going to be at Irwindale this yeah. weekend? Yeah, I'll be at Irwindale for, for the Arca what? race this weekend. Okay. Yeah, for okay. the Arca race. Yeah, see if you can get us the race winner for Monday. If you can. We ain't going to have a show next Monday. Oh, that's right. We're not having a show Monday. So we'll have to try to get him for Thursday. (laughs) But, uh, Sal, we're coming up at the top of the hour. I hope you have a good time out there at Irwindale Speedway this weekend, and you enjoy your Fourth of July. So, yes, on a programming note, uh, because of the holiday, we are not doing a show on Monday. Uh, So when Jay and I do the show on Thursday, we're going to be doing uh, both the preview as well as the review uh, of the races uh, from this weekend. So uh, definitely uh, we'll have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. But, Sal, thanks for being on tonight, and we'll look forward to talking to you in the next couple of weeks. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a good weekend, and we'll talk to everybody uh, in a couple weeks. Good night. Okay. Take care. All right, uh, it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. Uh, so we have a couple of our uh, folks here already. We'll start with Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. Glad to be back here on Hot Topics for Monday night. Yes, indeed. I hope you had a good vacation. Uh, also joining us is our uh, Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on, as always, and uh, yeah, uh, like Jay said, always good to be on for Hot Topics. Yep, we always look forward to it, and also joining us is our Mike Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike. hey Good evening. Good to be back. It feels like it's been forever between the off week and me being at work. It feels like I haven't been on this show in a long, long time, so it's good to be back. Okay, I, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but we are not having a show uh, for the re- review next week, there won't be a, because of the holiday. July 4th is actually on Tuesday, but a lot of people are also celebrating on Monday. So Jay and I are doing the review and the preview show on Thursday night. So uh, just look for one show for next week, okay? All righty, sounds good. All right, uh, so let's go ahead and start with our hot topic. Uh, for tonight, uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you tonight. Well, I jumped in talking about how good it's, uh, it is for me to be back on the show, but let me tell you what, it's even better to have NBC back. Their race coverage this weekend was refreshing. It was everything that I've been wanting in NASCAR Cup Series coverage, and I don't know if it's just because I've been so frustrated with the product that Fox has put out 
or if NBC has genuinely been improving their product, but it really feels like they've been listening to the, all the criticism that Fox has been getting, and they've applied it to their own product. And I think the broadcast this weekend, both the Xfinity Series race and the NASCAR Cup Series race from NBC were outstanding broadcasts. Not necessarily perfect, but, boy, were they really, really good. Okay. So, Andy, your thoughts about the NBC broadcast? Well, I mean, having NBC back was one word that can describe it really for me was refreshing. Um, and it wasn't just minor Mike's thought process. There was a lot of comments I noticed on social media that echoed that sentiment too. And I, I think a lot of it too is, you know, we've had Fox, you know, for the entire first half of the season. And I, I just feel like it's the same thing every year. It's just thin after, you know, 17, 18 weeks and you're just ready for something different. And I think that's one of the good things about most professional sports is it isn't just one broadcast team that does the whole season, of course, with the exception of the truck series. That's a different topic, unfortunately. But um, thankfully, with the Xfinity and Cup Series, we get that change mid-season. And I, I would agree, you know, with some of with what Mike just said to lead into this. Um, NBC has seemingly been trying to make an honest effort to improve their product. And um, I don't know. I just felt like the focus for both the Xfinity and the Cup Series races was on the racing at hand. Um, there wasn't much distraction. I felt like they were focused 100% of the time on, on what was taking place on the racetrack, and that's all you can really hope for. Um, you know, good commentating, good camera work. I mean, I'm, I don't know. Ask us again in 10 weeks. We'll probably have something to complain about, but I don't know. I just thought it was a, it was time for the change. And, you know, thankfully, um, you know, they, they came in and did a really good job to kick things off. Hopefully it stays that way. But uh, overall, I thought the broadcasts were very good this weekend. Okay. Jay, your thoughts. Well, this is going to be rather short and sweet uh, as I was traveling. Uh, what I got to cut for coverage was via the radio. So uh, I've never really had an opinion anyway as far as Fox versus NBC. I know that a couple uh, of our crew here have, as well as some others on social media. Uh, so if there are some things that NBC has taken into account and adjusted and looked at, uh, I'm happy for it. I'm just thankful there is coverage, uh, truthfully. Uh, like I said, this weekend I didn't get to watch any of it. So my coverage, I think uh, SiriusXM and uh, MRN, I believe, was the one covering it. Um, but like I said, I, I generally don't watch the broadcast to see how the broadcast is doing it. I just don't look at it from that perspective. So I don't ever have a lot of complaints. But I also wouldn't necessarily praise one or the other. You know, Andy hit on it. I think it is different from this aspect of no other sport do you have one crew, one uh, network covering it as they do for the entire season. Obviously, NBC covers football, you know, one game each week or three games each week, but the crews are a little bit different every week, whereas we have the same every week, week in and week out for 16 weeks or 18 weeks as they split the season. Um, the fact that, I mean, I hate to say it, but the fact that Junior is on NBC side, I think that automatically sways the vote, uh, you know, one way put Junior on the NBC broadcast and Elliot on the other, and then we got a battle. But that's just my opinion. Okay, and now I'll give my opinion. 
Uh, I agree here with Jay and, and Mike. I think that uh, I didn't see the broadcast, but I know the NBC crew, and I know that, you know, what's happened with the Fox crew. Um, and there's one one group that actually covers the race and another group that kind of tries to be funny about things and and spends more time um, talking about themselves in some cases. Uh, I like the NBC crew. They, they know why they're there. They know uh, what the race fans are looking for, and that's what they focus on. I didn't have to watch the race, races this weekend to know uh, that the broadcast was going to be better on NBC versus Fox. It's just a different approach to broadcasting, and, uh, you know, we some of us obviously are just more uh, happy uh, with the crew that actually covers the race. I, I know one of my frustrations with the Fox uh, broadcast is that they miss so many of the things that are happening at the track. I've mentioned it before. When I listen to the um, radio broadcast, it seems like they uh, capture so much more of what's happening, and they'll talk about something, and it will be a long time before they get to it on the uh, Fox broadcast, So, or if they ever get to it at all. So I, I just enjoyed NBC broadcast. So much more. I have in the past. I'm sure I will. I don't think Dale Jr. has anything at all to do with it. I, I think that Dale Jr. is doing what we want as a race fan, and he's covering the race. Uh, I think Jeff Burton is covering the race. I think Steve Letarte is covering the race. They're giving us the information uh, that we're looking for as race fans tuning in to hear about the race. Uh, we're not tuning in to see the comedy show. We're not tuning in to see, uh, to hear about, uh, you know, their stories and exploits. Uh, we're tuning in to hear about what's happening in the race, and that's what the NBC broadcast gives us. So uh, I didn't catch it this week, but I'll certainly be watching uh, in the coming weeks. I, too, was on the road this week. But I can tell you, I know NBC did a better job uh, just based on my past experience. Mike? I love this time of the show because I get to disagree with Jay. Uh, I wholeheartedly disagree that it's just a matter of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s popularity. Uh, yes, obviously Dale Jr. is an extremely popular person. Uh, he, was, he was popular back when he was a driver. He's as much, if not even more popular now that he is a I don't know how you want to describe it, media personality, ambassador for the sport. I think his Twitter bio still says fired dealership service mechanic. However you want to describe Dale Jr., still an extremely popular, influential person within the sport. But I don't think that it's just his popularity that is carrying the perceived quality of the NBC broadcast because it's not the Dale Earnhardt Jr. show, and that's the big difference with NBC versus Fox. On Fox, it, 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 
it's, it's like competing to try and be the Clint Boyer show versus the Mike Joy show versus the guest commentator show. And all of these different personalities are all fighting to be the star of the show, whereas on NBC, the star of the show is the race. It's not about Dale Jr. It's not about Jeff Gordon or Jeff Burton, Steve Latart, or anybody else who, who is involved in that broadcast. The broadcast is there to convey the race to the fans, and that's what we really want to see uh, out of any NASCAR broadcast. NBC seems to be willing to deliver it. Fox to date has not. And I think that is why the NBC broadcast is perceived as so much better than the Fox broadcast these days is not because of the personalities of the people who are trying to cover it. It's the way that they're covering it and conveying the information and what the show seems to be about. And it really feels like the two different broadcasts are moving in two different directions. Over the past few years, it feels like Fox has leaned more and more into the things the fans don't like, more comedy skits, more irrelevancies, more things that have nothing to do with the race whatsoever versus NBC seems to be becoming more and more and more focused on the actual racing product going on on the track. They, they miss things here and there. I'm sure they don't show every single battle that's going on on the racetrack, but at least it's not a show about the booth that has a race going on in the background, which is what Fox has started to feel like these days. It was refreshing to see. Um, whether that continues, like Andy said, maybe we're, we get fatigued by NBC by the time we get to Phoenix at the end of the year. I'm sure we'll have an axe to grind and something to complain about. But so long as the coverage remains objectively about the racing itself, I can be a lot more forgiving than I am with Fox because Fox clearly does not have any interest in covering the race, and NBC does. They treat it like a professional sports product as opposed to just a vehicle for their whack-jack comedy three-hour show. So keep it up, NBC and Fox should hopefully be taking notes. The other thing I'd like to point out here, though, I think Fox kind of dropped the ball a little bit by hiring Kevin Harvick, and that's nothing against Kevin Harvick, and I hope he's going to improve the, the NBC, or I'm sorry, the Fox broadcast, but I think Harvick should have been a Clint Boyer replacement. Steve Letard on NBC really highlights how important it is to have a current knowledgeable crew chief in the broadcast booth i got nothing against Larry McReynolds, but Steve Letard has a lot more current information. Not only is he more recently an active crew chief, but he's also a full-time advisor for Spire Motorsports. So he's well plugged into the, the current goings-on with the Gen 7 car, and that's very evident in his analysis on what's going on on the racetrack, what they're trying to do to make the cars better. I think Fox would be very well served to replace Clint Boyer with Kevin Harvick, and then bring in Greg Ives or some other crew chief with current knowledge of the sport and bring a, a crew chief into the booth, not just a sideshow at the Charlotte studio, but into the booth. And I think that'd go a long way to improving the product as well because the technical aspect of the NBC broadcast was another thing that was outstanding as well. I like what I see. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. I'll put it that way. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? Yeah, I think Mike really does bring up some good points about what Fox could do differently. Um, one of the things I, I would mention about Larry McReynolds, he's one of the bright spots, I think, in the Fox broadcast. But it is a bit of a disadvantage to have him in a studio, not at the racetrack, um, which is one of my biggest gripes that Fox does, where they pretend like they're at the track, but they're really not. And I think that that completely degrades any broadcast. So. Um, yeah, there's certainly ways to improve, and, and maybe they take notes and do some things differently. Kevin Harvick coming in next year is a huge asset to that broadcast team, and I think that he his relatively calm demeanor could potentially help Clint Boyer. I think that when they have worked together in the booth, it, it helps Boyer 
kind of chill out a bit. So um, maybe maybe that's, you know, the change that's needed to really help them moving forward. But, you know, certainly some notes they could take from watching NBC, I think, to help improve their broadcast moving forward. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. I, I want to say this. I wasn't saying that the only reason NBC was popular was because of Junior. I'm just saying that don't hurt um, by any means. Going back to this as far as not having an opinion is because I don't have an issue with either one per se. So if there is a need that fans, uh, both Mike, Andy, Sharon, as well as others out there, isn't being met, if NBC is meeting them and Fox isn't, I'm happy y'all are happy. Uh, like I said, I just don't um, have those lacking things that I feel is lacking or focused on them, I guess. Uh, there's always room for improvement no matter what. So uh, if the fans that the need or uh, desire that is being met for the fans, more power to them. And hopefully y'all are happy then with Fox uh, down the road as well if, as they change things up. Uh, I'm just not one that I've been unhappy with anything, like I said, of I, I watch differently i guess we'll, we'll just say that or don't don't worry about the broadcast because um, i have some when it goes to the streaming network i may not have it as much so i'll, I'll have some complaints then maybe <laughs> <laughs> okay um i don't have a whole lot to add i think uh uh we've kind of covered all the the points here uh with you know what we think uh could be improved uh at box and uh, what it is that we don't like about Fox, as well as all the things that are so good about the NBC uh, broadcast. They're not perfect, uh, and Mike, you brought that up, and Andy, I think you did too. Um, we know that they're not perfect, and there's going to be things that they do that uh, probably my least favorite part of the NBC broadcast is the silly things that Rutledge Wood brings to the to it. I don't know if he's even still there, but um, uh, I think that uh, uh, the NBC just is far superior to the broadcast that we get at Fox, and I always look forward to the NBC coming on board, and I tend to watch more when NBC is, is broadcasting because I feel like I'm not getting uh, the information I need. I tend to look for the information uh, through other means uh, because I, I don't feel like I'm getting it from Fox. So uh, I, I tend to listen more when NBC is on uh, because they're giving us insights and things uh, that we don't get otherwise. So uh, I'm happy uh, with NBC being back. Uh, I think I'll always be happy with the NBC broadcast over the Fox broadcast unless uh, we see changes there. Uh, Mike, you get to wrap it up here. Well, Sharon, you bring up a really good point about I'm sure you're not seeing everything on the NBC broadcast. Like I said, I think in my first reply, there's no way that they can show you every bit of action that's going on at the racetrack all the time. But you don't feel as much like you're missing something like, uh, like you are on Fox. When they come uh-huh. back from a commercial, one of their many commercial breaks that they're often criticized for, and go right into some other irrelevant stuff with the race going on in the background and then go right back into commercial. You're sitting there going, Hey, what just happened on the racetrack? What did I miss? And you don't get that feeling with NBC. Uh, so I, I think you're, you're right about you. You 
you can watch the NBC broadcast and be reasonably confident that you've got a good feeling for what actually happened on the racetrack. And I don't, right now with the current product that Fox Sports is putting on, I don't feel like fans are getting that same experience from them. So I think that's probably one of the key differences, and I appreciate you bringing that up because it really highlights the key differences between the current Fox product versus the current NBC product, and I think you couldn't have nailed it better on that. Okay, thank you. Okay, uh, Andy, you get the next hot topic. Well, Carl Edwards was uh, at Nashville Super Speedway this past weekend, and it came out that he's um, doing some simulator work for Joe Gibbs Racing with the possibility that he may be interested in doing some one-off cup starts in the future. So that's uh, a rather interesting development. So obviously interested what everyone thinks. Okay, Jay, your thoughts about Carl Edwards? Well, here's here's the thing as I see it. Something gets mentioned once, it's like, yeah, it might happen. This has been building. Uh, I think this was like his third or fourth uh, appearance at the track here recently. I know he was at the throwback um, event at Darlington and one other one. Um, this seems to be building. I wasn't aware he was doing the sim work with with JGR, so he's still uh, very, how I say, very involved with the team. Um, so yeah, it, it appears to be building momentum. You know, when it first, he first retired, it was like, Oh, he'll be back. It's just a matter of when, and we hadn't seen it here it occasionally, or it's a dream. Somebody wants to see it happen. And that's the end of it. Cause nobody had seen him. Uh, we're seeing a lot more of them and hearing his name a lot more that tends to lead that towards the conclusion that it's going to happen. So, um, I think he has been missed greatly by the entire sport. Um, from all aspects of just his personality, him as a driver. Uh, you know, he did some work. We're talking about the uh, broadcast. He, he did some work in the booth, I think, was one that brings great things to the booth when he when he's done it. So great things. I mean, I think he is one that is great for the sport. Um, so if he does happen to come back, uh, I know that I heard the thing with the one-off of it would have to be the right kind of situation because he, he said he doesn't want to, um, take away from anybody else. Um, I don't remember how what what exactly his words were, but that it would need to be the right situation. He wasn't just going to go out there just to put his name out there again and do it. Um, that he was going to want to do it right, uh, which we know as far as Carl Edwards is the way he's always been. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, and I don't even say if anymore. I would almost have to say when, because like I said, this this seems to be building up pretty rapidly here in the last couple of months. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? Sorry, I thought you were going to go there. Um, I'm kind of with Jay. Um, it feels like this is an inevitability, but at the same time, I'm not going to go buying race tickets thinking I'm going to see Carl Edwards until I see something announced. Now, the other piece of this that has come up is I, I didn't hear this. This was highlighted by NASCAR and NBC. Apparently, Denny Hamlin mentioned on his Actions Detrimental podcast that he'd be willing to give Carl Edwards a ride in one of his 2311 cars. Remember, they've got that part-time, I think it's the number 67 car uh, that Travis Pastrana ran in the Daytona 500. It's kind of like the Trackhouse Project 91, where it's an occasional one-off kind of a deal, and that'd be a really good fit for a guy like Carl Edwards, who I don't know that he would, would ever want to come back to full-time NASCAR Cup Series racing. He went he went away for a reason. I don't think the reasons that he went away have necessarily resolved themselves. Uh, so 
I don't think Carl Edwards is ever going to come back full-time to the NASCAR Cup Series. So something like Project 91 or the 67 car at 2311 or a similar one-off kind of a deal would be a perfect fit for a guy like Carl Edwards. So do I expect to see him before the end of the year? Most likely. Do I expect to see him every race next year? No, not at all. I am interested to see Carl Edwards come back. Like Jay said, I think he's missed dearly within the sport. Um, he was one of the great personalities that we had that is definitely missing these days is a, a big personality like Carl Edwards. So having him back at the racetrack, even for occasional one-off kind of things, I think is just going to benefit the sport as a whole. Yeah, I would agree. I don't see him coming back full-time by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, he was at Nashville Super Speedway because uh, they were honoring him as the winnest, winningest driver uh, at Nashville from 2003, I think they said, to 2011. And he's got six race wins. And so they, they have a plaque to honor him as one of NASCAR's 75 greatest drivers in 2020 drivers in 2023 and then they gave all his stats and this plaque that they created for him and it was dedicated to Carl Edwards so he was there for that uh to to go to what Jay was talking about um this is his comment he says yeah there is interest he said but I'm not planning on doing any driving this is the tip of the spear these guys are so good I would be terribly slow so I'd have to prep a lot seriously that's the truth for me I feel racing is a tricky sport and if, and if I'm not committed 100% I don't feel it's the right thing for me to do for fun but he allowed if it does creep in and it's something that we want to do. I promise I'll give 100%. I'll do the best I can. But right now I'm not planning on anything. The fact that he's doing the sim racing tells me that he might be um, prepping and a little bit more open to a one-off race. That's all I see him doing. Uh, as Mike mentioned, maybe in that number, was it 67 car? Um for 2311. And Denny had actually talked to Carl Edwards about racing a one-off race uh, for 2311 when they first started the team. So um, he had a chance now maybe to talk to him again since then. Uh, but it's on the table, and I think Carl Edwards knows that. Uh, and I think this is him kind of opening the door just a tiny little bit for us uh, to give us some hope that we might see him on the track. But I see it like a Jimmy Johnson kind of thing. Jimmy has no intention of racing full-time again in NASCAR, uh, and he's doing, uh, you know, some one-off races uh, throughout the season. Uh, I see Carl Edwards doing even less than that. So... Uh, it'll be a one-off race if he does it. Uh, he might do two or three races, uh, but I don't see him ever coming back full-time again. Carl Edwards is having too much fun, uh, you know, with what he's doing off the track right now. I think he does have that little itch that they talk about. I think he does miss it just that little bit. Um, and I think the fact that he's doing the sim racing tells me that um, – He's he's uh, addressing the itch a little bit, but I think it's also whetting his appetite for maybe just a little bit more. But I, I don't see it any more than a one-off race here or there. 
So uh, I'm excited for it. I'm glad that the fans uh, gave him such a warm welcome. Uh, the article that I read said uh, it's hard to tell who was more surprised, the fans who saw him at the track or Carl Edwards, who was so um, humble uh, and surprised uh, by the warm welcome that he was receiving from all of the fans. So I think it was great to see him at the track. I think the fans showed their love and uh, respect for him, and uh, that might be encouraging him a little bit more, too, uh, to go for that one-off race. We'll see. I think it's going to happen. I think you guys are right. It's not a, you know, if it happens. I think it's a matter of when it happens. Andy, what are your thoughts? Definitely uh, interesting to see him, you know, become a, at least a little bit involved with NASCAR once again, even if it's only in the form of, of some simulator work and, and seeing him at the track. I mean, it's you know, he's been on a broadcast this year, was at the track at uh, Nashville, so obviously uh, pretty cool to – pretty cool to see him make appearances at the very least you know and and if he gets into a car that's really just icing on the cake um i think you know the good thing for him is he's enjoying life and doing what he wants and you know it seems like perhaps maybe the racing bug has come back a bit so you know maybe we do see him do a one-off here and there um you know to get and get himself back into a cup car which would be cool um always and, and I think forever will be perplexing in the manner in which he exited the sport. But, you know, sometimes you just make a decision and go with it. And, you know, I think that's what happened here. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think it's, again, cool just to see him um, be more, you know, out there and more more at the racetrack, which is pretty cool. Um you know, interesting to me that he's doing simulator work, but that could be as part of, you know, any preparations needed to run a race. As, as he mentioned, you know, in order to be really good at this, he would have to put in a lot of time and effort to really, you know, learn the car and get back up to speed to a point where he could be competitive. So, um, you know, I think that probably plays into it. But, I mean, if you're going to have a driver do simulator work, who better than somebody like Carl Edwards, who was a very successful full-time driver? So probably a smart decision for Joe Gibbs Racing to do that. Obviously, Carl drove for them for a while. So, um, But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just kind of cool to see him, um, you know, have a presence. And uh, I'm all set, but, yeah, I do see that it's close to 1030, Sharon, so I'll take it off to you. Okay, sorry for the interruption, but uh, I do want to make an announcement for our first-time listeners. Uh, We are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, but we will continue to record uh, the rest of our conversation past that 10.30 mark. Uh, That part of the conversation will be part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast, and uh, what I'll do is I will go out on Twitter as well as uh, Facebook and let you know when the podcast becomes available. And at that point or any point uh, at your convenience, go to the player at fanforacing.com or any of the other outlets uh, that carries our podcast and fast forward to that two-hour mark, and then you'll be able to hear the rest of our conversation. So, um uh, again, I didn't want anybody to be caught off guard with us going off the air mid-sentence, uh, and I wanted to let you know how you can hear the rest of the conversation. So with that, Andy, I'll let you 
up your thoughts, and then we'll we'll move on to Jay. Actually, yeah, I was all set. That was the end of it for me. So um, on to Jay, I guess. Are you still with us, Jay? <laughs> yep. If you're ready for me, uh, Sharon, you hit on one thing there. Uh, again, uh, don't be greedy. Uh, I know we just had the race at North Wilkesboro, but we look at how much that took, and uh, you know, the odds of Carl Edwards coming back for more than even a handful a year. <laughs> is just astronomical, okay? So don't put put all your, your hope in, in, on that. Um, take it for what it is. Uh, I think it was when he was at Darlington, he talked about using the sim. I didn't realize it was, again, of actually um, working with Joe Gibbs Racing with it as far as uh, stuff for them. But he said that, that was twofold. Uh, you're right. It kind of cured that itch. But as with anything, when you scratch it, it kind of gets worse and more, and that the sim wasn't fulfilling it. So yeah, we may. I think we are going to see this. I mean, I look at uh, Dale Jr. I mean, he made the made the agreement he was going to do one Xfinity race per year. That fills that end of it. Um, so we may see something like that, um, even if it is a one per year. Not sure of of what the possibility of that is. But I, I don't even know. I know, Sharon, I think you're the one that said it of Jimmy Johnson. He's scheduled for five or six per, for the year. Uh, I don't even know if we see that from Carl Edwards. I just think it is a great thing to have him around the sport. Uh, you saw the popularity he has. I know, uh, I think somewhere in the uh, interview or article, it also referenced, he said, the reasons he stepped away, he said, are still mm-hmm. prevalent a little bit. So he still has some concerns. But that, too, I think is if he's involved in the sport in some fashion, can get addressed. And uh, we'll, I'll let that go until we get to the next hot topic. Okay, Mike, your follow-up. Well, I think we're all pretty much in agreement here. Of it would be great to see Carl Edwards back. But for you Carl Edwards fans, don't get too excited. He's not coming back, not as a full-time driver. So, no, Carl Edwards is almost certainly not going to finally get that elusive NASCAR Cup Series championship. He's got his, what, 28 Cup Series wins. Maybe there's a very small, minuscule chance he adds to that total, but I would be absolutely blown away, shocked, if Carl Edwards ever came back as a full-time driver. With that said, I'll take what I can get, because I do like Carl Edwards. I don't know that I would necessarily say I was ever a, a specific Carl Edwards fan, but you got to appreciate the guy. He had an undeniable amount of talent, a lot of personality, seemed like a lot of fun to be around. So it's going to be good to have him back at the racetrack in some capacity or another. Carl Edwards reminds me of Fred Lorenzen back in the 60s, uh, who didn't race uh, – sometimes he didn't race a full season. He, he He was there for just such a short time, but he accomplished so much within the short time that he raced. And that's kind of the way I think of Carl Edwards. He accomplished so much in the short time that he raced. No, he didn't win a championship, uh, but he he had some impressive stats. And um, uh, it would be neat to see him come back uh, for those one-off races. We like seeing him at the racetrack. I would love it if he would become a race announcer or, uh, uh, you know, a commentator of some sort. Uh, maybe at select races, uh, and we could occasionally see him as part of the broadcast as well. But um, 
uh, Carl Edwards is happy with the decision that he made. He's at peace with that decision, and uh, I think he's happy doing the simulator work. Um, but he understands. The thing that I like about his comments is he understands that you can't just hop into the car and be good. Uh, he's going to have to put some effort into it and give that 100% effort that he talks about in order for him to get in the car and, and be as competitive as he would like to be. He's a competitor, and he, if he gets into that car, he wants to be competitive. So, um, again, we can't set our expectations too high. He is 43 years old when a lot of drivers are looking at retirement. And um, uh, I do think that uh, for Carl Edwards, he made the right decision and stepped away to be with his family and to do the things that he's doing. And um, uh, I think it's a treat for us if he does come back for a one-off race or we do get a chance to see him in the booth every now and then. Uh, I think it would be a treat for all of us, and uh, we would enjoy that. So I see him as a fast-rising star that kind of um, – his star seems to be getting brighter uh, by him stepping away. Uh, we want more Carl Edwards. He said a lot of people were asking him to do the backflip. He said, I haven't done a backflip in years, uh, and he'd have to practice that as well. So – um, more Carl, Carl Edwards, but with realis, realistic expectations. Andy? Yeah, not much to really follow up with here, but uh, obviously just great to see Carl have uh, more presence um, surrounding NASCAR this year than we've seen really since he retired. So, um, you know, what it leads to, who knows? But, you know, if anything, it's it's NASCAR's 75th anniversary, and it's good to have – uh, past drivers of the sport, you know, make a presence at the racetrack and be visible this year. So if anything else, it's just nice to see Carl. Um, obviously, I, I wouldn't hold your breath for any, any you know, valiant plans to make a return to racing. But if we do see him run a race here or there, that'd be great. But, you know, if anything, it's just nice to see him at the track again. Absolutely. I do have one more thing. I do have one okay, more Mike. thing to jump in with Carl Edwards. If Carl Edwards wants to win another race, the best way that he can go about preparing himself for that is to not be ready to do a backflip because that's how those things work out. If he was practiced and ready to go, he'd never win. But the fact that he, if he's out of shape and not ready to do it, he's going to win that race and he's going to be on the spot and he's going to have to do his first backflip in years off the window of a Gen 7 car. Good luck, Carl Edwards. We're all counting on you. <laughs> Look out. Okay, Jay, what's our next hot topic? Well, to me, this unfortunately would tie into part of why Carl Edwards retired in the first place. Um, His final race, he was involved in an accident, and I think that concern over safety was part of his decision to step away. Uh, I did not see it, as again, I said I didn't watch the broadcast, but Ryan Blaney hit the inside wall. Anybody correct me where I'm wrong. Hit the inside wall at Nashville extremely hard and there was no safer barrier okay mike oh yeah jay um if you didn't see this one i don't know if you do or do not want to see it it depends on whether you want to see something pretty pretty nasty but yeah ryan blaney got turned on the front stretch on a a pretty nasty restart crash ended up going head-on into the inside wall 
car went from they weren't at full speed because it was on a restart but he was probably still doing the better part of 100 miles an hour to a dead stop right into that wall caved the entire front end of the car in there and the thing that concerned me about it i'm not a doctor but if you remember back to Noah gregson's interview after his crash at gateway he just seemed a little bit off like he was talking he was he was making sense and, and whatever but a couple days later we get the word that Noah gregson is out for concussion symptoms i'm not a doctor I, it, it, Ryan was checking release from the infield care center, but he seemed like he got his bell rung pretty good, and especially in his NBC interview that he gave first. He just didn't quite seem, I don't want to say incoherent, because he was, he was certainly coherent, but just, you know, he was at probably 9 out of 10 instead of his usual 10 out of 10. So I would not be surprised if Ryan Blaney has some lingering issues from this, this wreck. And it brings up the concern of why wasn't there a safer barrier there? I think NASCAR has gone through so much effort at all these racetracks to put safer barriers in, but we still end up finding places. And, you know, I, 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 I want to say it was Benny Parsons. I could be wrong. He said, if you build a racetrack, race car drivers are going to figure out how to crash on every single inch of it. Well, at this point, there shouldn't be a reason why we can't have safer barriers on literally every single wall that's accessible to cars, with the exception of the pit wall that the crew members need to jump over. Obviously, a safer barrier would impede that. But other than that, we should have a safer barrier on every single wall facing the racing surface at this point, and I don't really see a good excuse why there isn't at this point. Okay, Andy. Yeah, this was um, this was a pretty vicious hit, honestly, and um, just first off, glad that Ryan was okay, but I, I would agree. The interview that he gave uh, with NBC was um, – it just looks like he got his bell rung. I obviously can't sit here and say for sure what's wrong with him. I'm no doctor, but it was obvious it was a hard hit that really, you know, took the wind out of his sails a bit. And, you know, it, it was – and I was amazed at how much damage and how hard he hit um, to the car when you when you consider um, how slow they were going. It was a restart wreck. It wasn't as if – you know, he spun doing 190 and slammed the wall. I mean, they were just barely getting up to speed. I don't even think they were close to full speed when it happened. So I can only imagine what would have taken place had this been an accident at full speed. We might be looking at hospitalization or worse, to be honest. But um, I, I think that – so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens as far as Ryan goes. Hopefully he's fine, but definitely – a hard hit and even he said over the radio he goes he said he needed help i mean it took him a minute to get out of the car this wasn't you know an instantaneous window net down getting out of the race car like it definitely took him some time um you know and that's just the difference between hitting a wall that has a safer barrier with and one without and i guess the bigger issue at hand here is you know how racetracks continue to to miss these walls that aren't covered with safer barriers, you you think that, you know, they would be able to look at the racetrack and the design of the racetrack, look at all of the wall components inside and outside of the racing surface and be able to determine what needs to be covered with safer barrier and what doesn't. Obviously it's always easy to look at these things in hindsight, but I, in in my mind, I don't know how this was missed because it, it's very clearly a piece of wall that could be hit by a race car. So obviously I did learn from this. I guarantee whenever racing returns to the, the national super speedway, it'll have a safer barrier uh, around that particular wall section. Um, but just really glad Ryan wasn't hurt worse than he was because, 
it was a surprisingly vicious wreck for as, as, as slow as they were going. Yeah, let me just start off by saying that NASCAR is looking at it. Uh, if you remember a few weeks ago when Kyle Larson's car was hit uh, on the door and NASCAR took some time to really research and review and, and see what was going on. Part of what they did as a result of that is they took some of, they took the stiffer um, bumper off of those cars so that the car would absorb uh, some of the impact when these guys are hitting the walls. Um, obviously, the car did take some of that impact, but this one was uh, such a hard hit into the wall. They're assuming that they're going to hit the safer barrier, uh, and Ryan Blaney found that part of the track that didn't have the safer barrier uh, and hit it head on, and it was a, a pretty bad hit. Uh, but, you know, NASCAR has to go back and look at that now. Um, because they softened that tough bumper that they had on the on the next gen car, uh, so that the drivers wouldn't get shook up. Uh, I think if they'd had that harder bumper on there, uh, there would be no doubt that Ryan Blaney would probably have concussion um, and and be experiencing those symptoms. And he may still have a concussion. I'm not taking anything away from that because I saw the interview as well, and he did seem. Uh, he, he was smiling all the time, and and that's one of the things that happens. Sometimes you smile inappropriately um, with with those kind of things, and um, I do think um, that I, I am glad. Let me just put it this way: I am glad that NASCAR does their due diligence when these kind of things happen. I think when we return to Nashville, uh, there will be little doubt about there being a safer barrier uh, on that wall when we return. So uh, I, I think, I'm thankful that NASCAR is looking at it. I'm, I, like you, wonder why they didn't have it there to begin with. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of a, a done deal at this point. Uh, if there's one thing that good uh, that's coming out of this wreck, it's that they, he brought attention to the need to have that safer barrier there. Um, <clears throat> but I think it is interesting that NASCAR uh, already kind of loosened up that bumper. They took away the stiffness of that bumper, and uh, there's still this really hard hit. Uh, and, and the driver's bell was definitely rung. Uh, with his hard hit into the concrete wall. Uh, had he hit a safer barrier, uh, it probably would have worked, and and the car would have taken most of that impact. Uh, but when you're hitting concrete, that's a whole different story. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I listened to the afternoon show on Sirius XM, and I'm going to quote Larry McReynolds here quite a bit. Inexcusable. By definition, there is no excuse for it. From my understanding, it is not a spot where there was a, was a rarity that a car could get to it or they couldn't understand how a car could get to it. It is the inside front stretch wall um, or, and apparently around the entire inside of Nashville. Why? We have the knowledge and capability now. He said you go back 20-some years uh, back to as this was developed following Dale Earnhardt's death, the implementation and understanding of how to use the tools. This is 2023. 
my understanding was talk about North Wilkesboro, Memphis, other these other tracks that are looking to get a date. That was one of the things that was a requirement put in safer barriers. Uh, and I can't remember who the co-host on that show is, but Sharon mentioned it. NASCAR put out a statement. They're looking at it. They're going to do a study and do some research. Again, Larry McReynolds' words, that's a waste of time. Put in a safer barrier. <laughs> there is no need for a study. There is no need for any research. Put in a safer barrier. And I have to agree with him 100%. Uh, how this got by as it is already, this is the third year they've been at Nashville, baffles my mind. Okay, Mike. I don't know if it's my connection or if it's uh, if it was Jay, but I could I could really not hear anything that Jay said there. Um, I will point out. Uh, can you guys hear me? Okay. Yes, we can hear you. We heard Jay though. Okay, too. I will point. Okay, I will point out. Um, we saw a lot of damage to Ryan Blaney's car. It looked really really bad, and it was definitely a very hard hit. But like you said, Sharon, and I think NBC did an outstanding job with their – they almost immediately went to the graphics showing the, the cutaway car and the differences that NASCAR has made uh, with uh, the crash structure, not just from the rear of the car, but also the front of the car. And this came from the inspection of Ryan Priest's car following that Talladega wreck with Kyle Larson. They removed a lot of the stiffness from the front of the car, and I think a lot of that has resulted in how bad that 12 car looked. Just because the car's all crunched up, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually, counterintuitively, it's actually a good thing. As long as there's not an intrusion into the driver's compartment, the way that car crushes and crumples up like that, that's absorbing a lot of that energy that doesn't end up going into the driver. So that's a very good thing that that 12 car got as crunched as good as it did because a lot of that energy went into the car and not into Ryan Blaney. Could they put a safer barrier there? Absolutely, and they most certainly should, and they they need to have that before cars are back at Nashville Super Speedway. But... The, the damage to the 12 car, I think, was to Ryan Blaney's benefit uh, more than anything else. If that car looked good, it would have been like last year where these cars look good and the driver's out for the next six weeks with a concussion. So hopefully that's not the case with Ryan Blaney. Hopefully the car took the hit and Ryan Blaney's okay and we got him on the track next this weekend in Chicago. Okay, Andy. Yeah, I really have to agree with what Jay said there. Um, you know, quoting Larry McReynolds, I hadn't heard that quote, but um, really hits the nail on the head that it, it, it truly was inexcusable. And, um, you know, I, I it's kind of like I alluded to in my first time through, it really is a, a bit baffling how that section of, of wall was left um, uncovered with a safer barrier. So, um you know, I, I really think that every racetrack that NASCAR races on has the ability to analyze every wall section, whether it be inside or outside, you know, and determine, you know, if it's if it's accessible from the racing surface, it really needs a safer barrier on it. So, yeah, I, I would agree with the statement that, there you know, there really isn't any need to research anything. I think the I, I think it's really a simple matter of installing a safer barrier, like literally tomorrow, you know? So um, I would hope that when, whenever racing comes back, that it'll be taken care of. I'm sure it will be, but obviously um, just a bit perplexing to me, you know, and unfortunately it took a, a pretty vicious impact for people to realize that it was um, left, uh, left unattended for whatever reason. 
Okay, I'm going to agree and disagree with Larry McReynolds. Uh, he is 100% absolutely correct that there is no excuse uh, for there uh, to not be a safer barrier uh, in that location or any other location that doesn't have one around that track. Uh, what he says about that is absolutely correct. Uh, where I disagree with him is that there's no need for NASCAR to research it. I think that when there's a hard hit like that, uh, it, it, it's, it's in everybody's interest for them to look at what happened there and uh, research it and study it. And if there is something that they can do, then, you know, they can, they can, uh, analyze that and do whatever it is they need to do. Obviously, the more, number one thing they need to do is to put the safer barrier there. But there could be something else that comes out of that research, uh, that could be another safety feature that they could put on that car, uh, to make it better, uh, in case there's some other concrete wall uh, at some other track that the NASCAR driver is going to find by wrecking it, wrecking into it. Uh, I, I agree with what you said about Benny Parsons. Drivers are are going to find that one vulnerable spot. We've seen it over and over again. So <clears throat> I do think that they need to do the research. I disagree with him saying no research needed. Uh, I, I, I always think uh, there is value to doing research when something like this happens. Uh, but I'm hoping that the car did take most of that impact, and uh, it saved Ryan Blaney from having a very, very uh, serious concussion uh, by doing what they've already done uh, with the research that they've done before and loosening up that uh, bumper. Uh, Jay, you get the final word. <clears throat> well, not that we didn't all feel a loss when it came to Dale Earnhardt or any driver we see on the track, but Larry McReynolds uh, was a friend uh, of Dale Earnhardt. So, yeah, it was a talking really odd of emotion on a very uh, charged subject. Um, in his mind, when he made the statement, I'm sure he was thinking, you don't need the research to know to put a safer barrier in there. But I, I think as he looked at it, and Sharon, uh, you brought up some good points. You still want to do the research. As you said, it may apply and lead to something they can look at at another track uh, or even this track or another track um, to further understand how a car may get to a certain spot. They didn't think they couldn't so that we don't have to Monday morning quarterback it based on something that's happened or an injury or, or anything that you can be uh, proactive in, block it before it even gets hit. So I, I would agree. They do need to look at it and understand it. But step one is put in the safer barrier there uh, without a doubt. I, you know, Ryan Blaine even said, I'll pay for it, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't know which one of the Andy or Mike said it, if it's not being done today, it better be pretty darn quick. Uh, I'd hate to think that we would have a, see an example of a driver or multiple boycott a track or a race because of something like this. And that very well could be because this was that serious. Yes, it was. Okay. Um, I don't know. Do we have another uh, topic that we can cover quickly? Or did we cover them all? Well, um, I know we only got seven minutes. I think uh, any of the topics, I think uh, we still had a couple up, but I don't know that they could be done uh, roundabout there in seven minutes. 
Okay, let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and uh, close it out. We do have a show coming up on Thursday. We can cover the ones that we missed today, uh, and we'll go ahead and do our roundtable. Um, so, with that, Mike, we'll start with you. Sure, it's gonna be Mike underscore Lizelle on Twitter. Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Um, I think I'm finally back for a little while. I don't know. We'll see what my work schedule is for July. Either way, uh, I'm really looking forward to this race in Chicago this weekend. I'll uh, I'll talk to you all on Thursday about it. But uh, this one is going to be it's going to be something. It's, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> okay, Andy. Yeah, Chicago. Um, I won't get to watch the weekend live because of stuff going on with the 4th of July weekend, but I will be recording it and I'll be watching it probably early to mid next week. And I I think that it's hard to say for sure what it's going to be like, but it's going to be a kind of show that I can't say on the air, I think probably. So (laughs) we'll, we'll let you fill in the blanks on that one. Um, But you know, it, it's probably going to be entertaining. So looking forward to that. But uh, Thursday, hoping to be back. Obviously, it all depends on the almighty work, of course. But uh, at this point, planning on it. And um, if so, looking forward to it. Uh, CB14Van on Twitter. Okay, Jay. Uh, social media is uh, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And, yeah, this week, I know we had the Coliseum, whether that could be done, the dirt track at Bristol, whether or not that could be done, the return of North Wilkesboro. But I think the Chicago street race might be one of the most unknown and anticipated. Uh, again, Mike, Mike put it, something's going to happen. We don't know which way. Andy obviously has already a little bit of an opinion, and it certainly could be, or it could be the other way. We really, really don't know when it comes to NASCAR running on a street course. So, yeah, this week of anticipation and wondering uh, is going to be off the charts as far as, I think, anything we've seen in the past. So we'll look forward to talking more about it on Thursday. Uh, but I think the week following of what did happen is going to be the key. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio on Facebook, as well as our website, fanforacing.com. Um, as far as the Chicago race, my granddaughter asked me if I was going to go to that race, and I said, uh, not this year. I'm going to be a wait-and-see kind of girl this year. Um, I kind of feel like I can see more of what's going on at the Chicago street race by not being there and watching it from home. So uh, I, and as I'm glad it's the NBC broadcast because I know they're going to do uh, as good a job as can be done. Uh, and I know they're going to do the road course type uh, um, broadcast where they've got different uh, people in different uh, uh, turns of the race uh, to kind of cover what's happening on the track. Um, the, the What they call the radio broadcast, I guess. Um, and, uh, I, I am a skeptic. I, I, I'm always been, uh, I'm willing to give it a chance and see how it goes before I, I make a judgment. But I got to tell you, I, I'm not just a skeptic. I'm a little fearful of what could happen this weekend. And, uh, you know, I hope nothing bad does happen, but I, 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 um, uh, 
am open to the possibility that this is going to be a success. The one thing I want everybody to remember, though, is that the first time they did um, the Bristol Dirt Race, a lot of people weren't happy with it. Uh, but the subsequent races, they made improvements, and it did get better. Uh, and I do think that that could happen here with the Chicago Street Race. Um, I think that there's going to be a big learning curve uh, from this first event, and I think that they will learn and evolve from that and make adjustments to make it better. So I'm willing to give it a chance, as I said early on here, uh, but I am very, very skeptical of what's going to happen with this uh, first time out. Um, uh, I know NASCAR usually does their due diligence, um, but there are always something unforeseen uh, that can happen that could make this uh, not work out very well. So we'll see. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I plan to be watching all all weekend long. Uh, I know it's just the Cup and the Xfinity Series that's going to be racing uh, this uh, Chicago Street race, uh, and I think it's definitely something to look forward to. So uh, I hope fans do tune in. And I hope that they're treated uh, to, uh, to a great uh, uh, couple of races here. Um, and I know they'll be back probably for another year or two, so we'll see what happens. Um, big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, I'll repeat it again. It bears uh, repeating. Because of the holiday next week, we are not doing our review show on Monday. Uh, we are going to be doing the review and preview on our Thursday show uh, next week with Jay Huseman. So uh, we'll have a lot to cover in that show, and uh, we'll be back with our hot topics uh, that we missed on tonight's show, as well as I think probably a few others uh, that we'll be ready to talk about on Thursday night. Uh, we did have uh, uh, Nathan Quayla on the show earlier, and uh, Jay, not Jay, but Sal, did the interview with Nathan uh, for the most part, uh, and if you get a chance to go back and listen to it, uh, it's always interesting. He has a heart condition. He talked about all the operations and things uh, that he's been through, uh, but because of the doctors, because of the support that he has from his family and everyone else, they call his team the Lionheart Race Team, and he just had a win. I think it's his third win. Uh, he won out at Irwindale Speedway, and... Um, uh, he is uh, uh, going to be racing there again this weekend. So um, it was a good interview, and uh, if you get a chance to listen to it, I'd really encourage everybody to take a listen. So um, we'll look forward to seeing you next Thursday. Enjoy your race weekend, everybody. And with that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a wrap. Have a good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. On the other side.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 